In a new age world filled with delusions and wish fulfillment by morons in need of attention, renowned experiencers of high strangeness and podcasters Jeffrey Ritzman and Jeremy Vaney received invitations to a tropical paradise getaway called Paratopia. Little did they know, it was the same type of new age spiritual retreat they've been avoiding all their lives. Come on, you can shake it. Yeah. Is it wrong that China has hungry ghosts while America grows morbidly obese? Anything goes with Paratopia. <laughs> and welcome. Paratopia. When I used to have my little culture contact show, um, I had on a uh, very popular guest named Jason Offutt, who uh, at the time was promoting Haunted Missouri, uh, a ghost. Uh, let's see if I can get this right. A ghostly guide to the Show Me State's most spirited spots. And so we talked about ghosts, and part of what he talked about in there somewhere were shadow people, and he had. Sort of, and I had asked him, what is the difference between ghosts and shadow people? And he basically said, I don't know, but I'm working on a new book. Well, that new book uh, was launched earlier this summer. It's called Darkness Walks the Shadow People Among Us. So presumably he has figured out <laughs> the difference between ghosts and shadow people. Uh, so here now to set us straight, Jason, that, that will have to be my first question to you. First, thanks for doing the show. And second, uh, what's the difference? <laughs> First, I appreciate being on, and uh, and secondly, uh, sometimes there isn't a difference. Uh, in all of the, the research I've done, all the interviews that I did, uh, I, I came to the conclusion that the term shadow people is a blanket description for an appearance of an entity. That entity is not the same type of entity from, from occurrence to occurrence. Uh, the basic description of a shadow person is a darker-than-night, human-shaped shadow. Uh, most of the time, these shadows are a little bit disproportionate to humans. They're either extremely tall, seven, eight-foot tall, their head brushing the ceiling, looming over your bed, uh, or they could be vastly shorter. Uh, their heads could be a little bit bigger than normal, arms a little longer, legs a little shorter. Any, just something is, is a little bit wrong, a little bit off. But their behavior, uh, the, the different types of, of shadow people behavior, led me to believe that, yes, sometimes they're probably ghosts. Um, sometimes they're probably uh, some extremely negative entity that you just don't want to mess with. Uh, I've talked to a number of people who are certain that they're extraterrestrials. Uh, they, uh, I talked to a number of different uh, people in different religions who... Uh, We've got other explanations for them, but I think we'll probably talk about that throughout the course of the show. Sure. Well, when you say the shadow people among us, how literal? How literally do you mean that? I mean, are, are they walking uh, among us? Are they the same sort of thing as a haunted place? You know, sort of centrally located in one location, or how does that work? Well, you, well, sort of 
all the all the above. Uh, as, as in Among Us, they very well could be walking through the room you're in right now. You just can't see them, but they're but they're there. Uh, uh, it, I've recorded encounters anywhere from shadow people walking through somebody's room, completely oblivious to whoever's in the room, from that level to a physical attack. Mm-hmm. Jeff, have you seen shadow people? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What, sure. How would you how would you describe them compared to your ghostly activity that you also have? <laughs> this sounds like a disease. <laughs> um, I would say that they, uh, well, what I have seen of that, if, if that's what you can call it, uh, shadow people is almost a weird way of putting it because I think that immediately for people more or less puts it uh, on a on a 2D surface, you know, not a not a three-dimensional object, which these things that I've seen tend to be. So uh, I would say about the size of a person, usually going in and out of the bathroom at the condominium that I lived at. That's usually what, what they look like. They look like a person that was out of focus, extremely dark, and um, and at times moved faster than a normal person would, but at times did not. Sometimes it just looked like someone walking into the bathroom. Mm-hmm. Whereas other times you'd get this uh, slow walk towards you down the hallway and then a, a zip into the bathroom, which was a little disconcerting when you could see that from, I would say, no more than 10 or 15 feet away. So, Jason, is that does that ring true to you? Is that what you're talking about, same thing? Well, and... On a number of occurrences, yes, that, that sort of thing happens. The movement is something that I forgot to mention. A lot of times people will report these things moving, uh, and these are my words just based on their description, you know, like animation from, from Hanna-Barbera back in the 60s and 70s. You know how crappy that animation was, that mm-hmm. sort of movement. Yeah, and sometimes slow, sometimes extremely fast, a lot of times just jerky movement, not, not quite like, like human movement. Uh, again, these things vary from from encounter to, to encounter. A lot of encounters are the same, but other ones are, are, are different. Again, the, the behaviors that I mentioned, um, I saw shadow people when I was a kid, back in the 1970s, uh, in the mid-1970s, and it, it freaked me out, of, of course. Um, and these things are like I described earlier. They were extremely tall. Uh, their movement was a little jerky. Their you know, arms and legs were a little bit disproportionate, but they walked through my bedroom, out into the hallway, completely oblivious, seeming to me that, that I was there. Hmm. They didn't seem to know I, I was there at all. And uh, it, it seemed to me like they were, had a, they were walking with a purpose, going from like point A to point B, and my room just happened to be in the way. But other occurrences are these things will stealthily approach and stare at people with, you know, not, not thinking the people see them and then being startled when, when they notice that the people do. The, the range of, uh, of behavior of these things is, is a lot wider than just you're going to get with one occurrence. Right. Well, when you say that some people interpret them as aliens, uh, religions, various religions have them as something else, is, is the truth in that that whatever they are, how they appear to us as these shadow people, isn't what they are? Uh in, in many in many cases in many cases yes uh, I, I would say in some cases no uh, I was uh, interviewing an exorcist uh, a Catholic archbishop who when I was talking to him about shadow people I hadn't even given him a description 
of shadow people, and he gave me a description that matched the one I was just going to give him. And, of course, what did he say they were? Catholic archbishop, he's an exorcist, right. he said that they were demons. Uh, and and it, which really kind of, uh, you know, I scratched my head over that one because it was my exact definition. And I don't think there was any way he could have gotten my exact definition. Uh, so in some cases like that, they are what they seem. In other cases, I uh, interviewed uh, a couple of people on this who claim that cloaked shadow people, that's one of the types that people will commonly see, a shadow person dressed in a monk's cowl. Uh, a couple of people said that they saw a fold of the cloak open and they saw you know, a reptilian skin. So they're convinced that you know, these are reptilian aliens. Uh, I would say that that's one of the more far-out explanations, but we're talking about shadow people, so I don't know what's <laughs> far out and what's not. <laughs> yeah, well, fair enough. But I guess more more to my my point is that um, if you're a kid in bed and you're seeing something go from point A to point B, and your room just happens to be in the way, then does does that imply that that or even the term shadow person? I mean, perhaps what we're seeing is almost literally a shadow of the actual thing. It's just sort of a piece of it that, for whatever reason, you as a kid tapped into another dimension, broader reality, whatever it is. Um, so that you can see an aspect of them, but you're not seeing the whole thing. Much right, like, and that's, that's much a, like seeing a human's shadow and not the actual human, sort of. Right, that, and that is uh, one of the more more common explanations from from people I've interviewed that they think that 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 these things are they're just beings from another dimension, possibly just like us. But this is all we can see of them uh, in certain spots on the planet. When uh, I interviewed a couple of uh, of physicists, they got a good chuckle over that. <laughs> how how different was uh, the reaction of people that you interviewed about shadow people uh, compared to the people you've interviewed about ghost stories? What do you, what do you mean? Uh, I mean, do, are they more are they less campy about it? Are they more concerned about it? Is there more of that demonic feeling to it than ghosts? Right. With with ghosts, most of the time, people are just startled because oh crap, there's something I don't know what it is. I think it's a ghost. Should I be scared? Should I not be scared? In most cases, with shadow people you know to be scared. Uh, hmm. Most of the people I interviewed uh, uh, were, were terrified, and not just the fear. When, when, I, when I saw them, I, I didn't have that kind of fear. I, I was just scared because there was some weird man-looking thing walking through my room. But a lot of people report uh, a feeling of terror that their, their positive is being generated in some way by this shadow entity that's, that's confronting them. Uh, and the shadow entities that cause that terror are ones who, you know, are loom looming over your bed. They take notice of you. They're paying attention to you. And, and many of the people report that, that the shadow people uh, are possibly feeding off of them, hmm. feeding off of, of the fear that they're generating. Do they so ever sort of, communicate in any way? Do they have sort of a, a message <laughs> of any sort? Uh, the only shadow person who, uh, the only report that I've got to where he actually communicated uh, told the person <laughs> that he was feeding on that he was feeding off of them, and he hoped he hoped he died. Huh? That's the only only communica verbal communication that uh, that any anybody I interviewed had gotten. Did you believe him? Um, he seemed absolutely positive and and terrified uh, of what had happened to him. So I believe that he believed right. what happened to him. Right. I uh, was a journalist for a long time, and, and I'm a parent, so I hope I have a really good BS detector. Um, <laughs> most of my uh, mo most of the, the interviews, most of the stories that I have in my book, I'm convinced that these people 
either saw something or they are so convinced themselves that they saw something that, that, that they're telling the truth. There were a lot of cases that I didn't include because I thought they were, you know, complete, complete bunk. Right. Um, so you had mentioned some of the religious uh, interpretations. Uh, what are the, Just give me, I guess, some that appeal to you. What, what do you think goes, well, that's, that could be it? Uh, well, I, the, the Catholic de- demonic uh, entity uh, very well could be because of the behavior of a lot of these shadow people. Okay, if this dark, looming thing, sometimes with glowing red eyes, is <laughs> you feel like he's feeding off of your terror. Yeah, you know, demonic, that, that makes sense. Uh, in, in Islam, uh, the jinn, which the Western world has perverted to be genie, uh, although, yeah, Barbara Eden didn't quite look like that. Um, <laughs> the, these, these entities, uh, according, to, according to Islam, are connected to every single human being on the planet. Uh, if you are Muslim and you have a Muslim jinn attached, attached to you, you're going to be fine in the afterlife. If you're non-Muslim and you have a non-Muslim jinn attached to you, you're screwed. Uh, and the non-Muslim, the bad jinn, um, can look like shadow people. And, and at the end of your life, when you're buried, they will sit on your gravestone and, and scream and cuss and laugh at you throughout all eternity. Uh, well, the, well, how is that anything other than just sort of a cultural way to get you to be a Muslim? Oh, and, and it very well very well could. And, and the way I presented, uh, presented the, the religious explanations in the book were... Uh, hey, look! All these different religions have shadow people as part of, you know, a part of their as part of their mythos. Um, so there might be something to it, since these different religions are, are referring to these things. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, it could be something. I mean, demonic. You know, demons. I mean, are those entities out there trying to to uh, to latch on to human beings, or is that just a tool used by Christianity to, you know, make you? straighten up and fly right and tithe. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. Another one of the, the interesting ones is I interviewed a couple of Cherokee gentlemen who uh, spoke about this shadow entity in, uh, in their culture, and it is, uh, they were human. Uh, they were medicine men who used their abilities uh, for greed or just anything to better, to better themselves and not help the community. And that it, they eventually turned bad. They turned into something that was less than human and appear as these, as these black, black evil figures. Mm-hmm. Well, as someone who has studied UFOs, ghosts, and now this, uh, and whatever else, I'm assuming you're all over the map with that stuff, um, with paranormal things of interest. Do you see an overarching pattern to all of these things, or do you think that they are compartmentalized? I think uh, a whole lot of things in, in the paranormal world are are connected in ways that we haven't figured out yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, just 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 ask the uh, the Bigfoot people and UFO people about Bigfoot uh, UFO slash UFO encounters. Right. They they usually both cringe, but there have been numerous reports of the two 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 different things intersecting. Jeff, <laughs> you took all my questions again. <laughs> uh, that's now, three in a row. <laughs> now, I'm curious, Jason, how long, I mean, were you able to find out how long shadow people, quote-unquote, have been reported throughout time? I mean, are we talking about, do we have colonial reports of such apparitional-type things or not? There's, there, there's, there's kind, of, kind of a gap. Uh, the oldest story that I personally received, I spoke with a guy uh, in Ohio who had shadow people encounters back in 1949 when he was, when he was a kid. 
there was a uh, radio play back in late 30s, early 40s. Right now off the top of my head, I can't remember the name of the, the radio program, but it was called The Shadow People, and I found it online and, and listened to it, and uh, it described shadow people. So either the, the, the writer had a great imagination or they knew about these entities. Uh, in uh, Victorian times in, in England, these shadow-type entities were used in literature, so I can only assume that there was some basis of, of that. And going back, the, the gap occurs then back to, to the various religions, um, Hinduism, Buddhism, and the, the aforementioned Islam and, uh, and Christianity, and, and Native American uh, religions, all mentioning this type of figure. So, I mean, that goes back thousands of years. And I, I'm assuming that you're pretty familiar with sleep paralysis and how that kind of goes across the board of uh, UFO abduction reports to uh, to just about anything else. And I think a lot of people uh, in the throes of a sleep paralysis type episode are going to report something that's very akin to what we're describing here. Um, how many of the people that you talk to were either, I don't know, awakened out of a complete sleep state or were in bed or, or in that hypnagogic slash hypnopompic area uh, that, that, you know, that would honestly relate that to you. Like, I just woke up and there it was. Right. There were quite a few. I didn't include that many of them in the book just because of that fact, just because it was most probably sleep paralysis um, in, in a section. Because uh, I, I didn't just, I don't just have a bunch of shadow people stories. I did quite a bit of research on this. I interviewed um, psychologists. Uh, about this and, and have a section on sleep paralysis. And I included some of those cases in that chapter just to show that, you know, this is what the psych- psychologists were talking about. This is what sleep paralysis is. This uh, is the shadow person encounter that this person had that was a hypnagogic state. So I did include that, but I didn't include that many stories in the book just because of the fact that they, they probably were sleep paralysis. So, so you've more or less put them in there as sort of like a control example uh, to, to kind of differentiate the two. Is that pretty much the purpose of doing that? Yes, yes. Okay. Um, well, because I had, I had the, the psychologist describe uh, you know, sleep paralysis and how it works and what you might see when you're, when you're, when you're woken up, uh, but you're still in a sleep state. And, and then using the, uh, the shadow person stories that were sleep paralysis, it, it really... Uh, served as a good example. Right. The, um, I, and I'm sure that going across the board with this stuff and all the people that you talked to in researching this, did you see any pattern as to like the circumstances uh, surrounding someone seeing one of these things? Uh, you know, we, we've often talked a lot about this show on this show about uh, the circumstances kind of surrounding a paranormal event being one of uh, either change, uh, great change in someone's life, or great stress, or you know any of these type of things that kind of seem to bring about uh, a paranormal experience of some kind or another. Did you happen to see a pattern at all uh, in no. the backstory of these people? I, I, I sure didn't. This thing went completely across the board in many different categories. Uh, it, it wasn't one type of person who saw these. It went across... Uh, age range, uh, sexes, uh, cultures, uh, economic status, uh, uh, continents, uh, you know, uh, 
emotions. I mean, some people specifically were saying, yeah, I was going through a rough part in my life. Other people were, were saying, yeah, everything was great. And then all of a sudden, boom, I saw this thing. Hmm. They were How doing about... many different many different things in many different places. They were inside. They were outside. It was the dead of night. It was, you know, in the middle of the day. Hmm. So, so I, I really didn't see one pattern. This seems to exist a little bit outside the normal realms of what we think of as far as ghost stuff, because I think we kind of separate ghosts, or I, I guess the ghost folks kind of separated into two things, which was being uh, either some type of residual effect or um, an intelligent uh, haunting that they say interacts with you. Uh, how many people that you spoke with about this kind of thing, did they say that they could kind of set their watch by seeing uh, a shadow person in their house or outside or where have you? I mean, was there any pattern whatsoever to suggest only, this could be residual of any kind? Well, only only a couple that I included just because these, these, ty- these shadow people encounters sounded like ghost encounters. And, and again, as I said at the very beginning, that some shadow people encounters are ghosts. That's just how they're appearing. Uh, and and one specifically that comes to mind, uh, a, a woman who lived uh, south of, of Kansas City, Missouri, would uh, see when she was sitting in the evening uh, in the living room, sitting on the couch watching TV, she could sit there and almost every night see a shadow person, a man. Um, it looked like from you know his shoulders and his and his and his arms and his legs that he was wearing a suit and a hat, and he would walk down the stairs, turn the corner, go to walk into the kitchen and then dissipate and and yes that was in my opinion a haunting and not a different type of shadow person encounter well i'll, I'll tell you this much before the next question is that uh in my old condominium we had plenty of weird stuff that would go on there like i said one being uh that the the hallway the way the the condominium was laid out was we had a large living room in the forefront towards the front door. And then there was a hallway that led back to the two bedrooms and the bathroom. The bathroom was down the hallway and to the left. And uh, I had met a guy who was an electrical engineer who actually got involved with me through a conversation about EVP work. And he seemed to think that there was no reason for a microphone to have to be used in recording an EVP, that if an EVP is what, he thought it was that we should be able to record these things using nothing more than a coil set to a frequency um, that would, in, in essence, negate any kind of audio interference um, in, in the audible range. So he sent me what amounted to a, a large coil with a preamp attached to it, and uh, basically you, you'd plug your digital video or your digital audio recorder into the preamp, which were recorded out from the coil. Now, the interesting thing about this is that when you plug this thing in and you put your headphones on, you couldn't hear anything unless you got near an electrical outlet to which it would buzz. Or you'd get near a, a battery-powered clock, and you could literally hear the clock ticking, uh, even though the clock audibly made no sound at all. Uh, so it would pick up any sort of pulse. And I noticed near the bathroom for no apparent reason whatsoever because there were no outlets near this area of the hallway, we got a lot of static on this thing in that general area. My wife's suggestion was we set the camera up uh, in the morning. We let it run all day long. 
and we see if we get this thing walking in and out of the bathroom. We could never figure out why the bathroom. <laughs> um, when you gotta go, a, you gotta go. Well, yeah, <laughs> that was my first thought. Um, but this was a new condominium. I had I had actually purchased it before it was even built. Uh, so why this thing paid any attention to doors and, and walls, as far as I could say, it was just kind of weird. But um, we came home uh, from work one day with the camera still running. I turned it off. I changed tapes. The evening came around. My wife was in the kitchen, and she could see straight down the hallway through the basically like a, a, a I don't know, kind of like a service platform window. And she saw this thing walk into the bathroom. And she said it was a lot more solid looking than it had been in previous times. This was one of the really good direct line of sight sightings of this thing. Took the tape out, put it into the camera, plugged the camera into the, uh, we had a, uh, basically a deck for our, um, a height and uh, plugged it into the deck and there's nothing there at all. I mean, no visual evidence whatsoever, not a hint, not a blip, not a blur, nothing. So, the end-all question here is, has anyone been able to get any visual evidence that's been somewhat verifiable uh, of these things? Is there, are there photographs? Is there any video at all? Um, anything other than the story to back any of this up? There have been, uh, there have been photos that I've seen. There have been uh, videos that I've seen uh, from you know, from from people, a couple of people that I've I've actually used uh, used their stories in, in in my book, but I really they verifiable. No, do I? I I have a real problem with photographs and with videos, just because I, I'm in the mass media field. I know what people can do mm-hmm. to manipulate photos and videos. So I, I, you know, are there some? Absolutely. Do do I trust them? Not really. <laughs> Here's something from completely the opposite direction. Uh... Have any of these ever been seen to be floating or not walking, not attached to the ground? Uh, yes. Uh, most of the time, however, they are attached to the ground. I interviewed a woman who and her, her, her and her husband were moving to, uh, I believe it was, yeah, it was Ohio from uh, Washington State. And during their cross-country trip in the moving van, she started seeing cloaked shadow people on the highway, just a few at first and then a lot. And she said by their behavior, it looked like they were, you know, using highways just like she was, but she couldn't see their highways, but they were all moving. And a lot of them were floating up to six feet off the ground. She said it wasn't until one floated through the cab of the truck and in between her and her husband, and she saw her husband react to this shadow person that she knew she wasn't seeing things. So, yeah, most of the time they're grounded, but they're not always grounded. On the highway? Yes. Huh. Were they in anything, or were we just talking about walking in a highway? Just, uh, and it wasn't even wasn't even walking. They were moving. She couldn't see any legs uh, legs moving, and they weren't making walking motions whatsoever. It was it was more floating. weren't any device or, or any anything like that. Not in a seated position at all. No. And we're talking about many of them. I'm supposing if, if she sees these things in sort of a line that's not their highway, but some other sort of highway. Right, she says she estimated she might have seen about a uh, hundred of them over uh, again. It was from Jesus. Washington State to Ohio. Huh? And she, she said she'd, ne- <laughs> she'd never, 
she'd never seen these things before, and her husband never had until the trip. And she said that uh, they'd lived in Ohio for about a year after that, and occasionally still see them wandering around. So, what uh, for you is the is the end game for this? I mean, can you kind of put this into a uh, a single type of apparition, or does this kind of go across the board? I mean, you, we've talked about stuff that's borderline demonic to ghostly to yeah, I don't know what sounded like to me more or less like a residual thing. I mean, is there a way to fit this into any sort of paranormal box uh, as Not- to exactly what these are? No, because I, I mean, the basic description of them, I, I think, goes across the board to, to match a number of different types of entities. Yeah, borderline demonic. Uh, ETs, possibly. Ghosts, absolutely. Uh, paranormal entities, we don't know anything. You know, we, we haven't even talked about yet. You know, very, very probably. Interdimensional travelers, yes, probably. Uh, the time travelers, who knows? Uh, so just one category, I cannot stick them all in because I don't believe that they are just one in it, one type of entity. Now, when you say ETs, we're talking about um, aliens, which, I mean, really, we don't know if that's extraterrestrial or not, but an alien type of non-human, small, big-headed type thing, is that what we're looking at? That From that to, uh, to again, I mentioned earlier the reptilian types. Uh, could Could they be... You know, some version of, of Mac Tony's uh, crypto-terrestrials. Yeah, sure. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Chair? Yes. Um, do they obey uh, the laws of physics in every way or just in walking on the ground? Like, for instance, the one that you saw in your room, did it materialize? Did it come through a wall? Did it walk through the door? Did it open a door? I mean, what, what are the okay, laws yeah. of these things? They they seem not to really have any, although I think they would have to have some since they do seem to be walking on the ground. When I was a kid, I was about, I don't know, nine years old, maybe ten. Uh, we lived uh, out in the country about six miles away from the nearest town. There were The nearest house was over a mile away. So we kept our, our window blinds open because there was no peeping Tom out in the middle of the country. So whenever the moon was out, I could see everything in my room. Mm-hmm. I could see the bookshelf, my desk, uh, the Farrah Fawcett poster on the wall. I could see all this stuff. And the corner of the room they came out of seemed to me to be darker than the surrounding room. And these things, I mean, with material, I, I didn't see them walk through a wall. They were just there in that dark spot. And sometimes one would walk by, sometimes, you know, one after another after another. Uh, you know, 10, 12 might file by and walk into the hallway. Where they went after they walked into the hallway, I, I have absolutely no idea. But there have been a lot of cases of these, you know, dissipating. Uh, mm-hmm. A couple of people have said that they rolled up like uh, like, like, like an old-fashioned uh, window shade. Uh, others have said that they've, you know, walked through a wall or walked through a door ghost-like. So, uh, and, and, and the physicist I, I described all these to, uh, again, got a big chuckle because they're like, okay, there are three types of matter, <laughs> and they behave like this. So if these shadow people do exist, yeah, they're not one of these three types of matter, so you tell me what it is. Hmm. And the guys I happen to find uh, are paranormal enthusiasts. They want to be able to use the science and the physics that they know to prove that, that ghosts and other aspects of the paranormal exist. 
but they're they're grounded in uh, in hey, this is physics, and this is just this is just how how things work. Well, I did see a YouTube video of a guy uh, smoking salvia. And he describes what he's seeing, and he describes it as, um, and I don't remember if it was a being specifically that he was talking to or the entire scene. He was speaking to a being, or if it was the entire scenery of it, including that being, that rolled up, you know, like a shade, you know, rolled up into itself. Uh, pretty much what you're talking about there. So maybe the common denominator isn't... Um, really having to do with physics as it does with mind stuff. And we know that DMT, of course, is a chemical uh, found in the human brain. So maybe there is something about triggering DMT that um, I don't want to say brings on these visions because I, I I think it's pretty clear that you're not just like hallucinating, but that you're actually seeing more of what's in the room uh, during yeah, times of heightened DMT activity. Well, yeah, what, uh, dimethyltryptamine. Yeah, did you go that way at all in the book? Did you look into any of that? I, 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 I did not because dimethyltryptamine is, is, of course, other than in the human brain, illegal, which I find <laughs> absolutely hilarious because it's illegal to buy something your body actually produces. <laughs> uh, but, no, there were um, – uh, Dr. Terrence McKenna did a lot of work with this, and, you know, he found through subjects taking it and himself taking it that he had typical – uh, ET abduction encounters mm-hmm. when he took it. So, I mean, it, 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 it begs the question, does it make the mind, um, you know, does it make the mind see things? Are you, are you hallucinating or does it just open you to these things actually happening? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I didn't, exp- I did not explore the, the, the drug era be- or drug area because uh, that took me down to a completely different way that, than I wanted to go. Okay. And- just, just, yeah. Just because, of, just because of the fact when I when I start working with with one type of drug, even though the the body produces it, the brain produces it, and, and you know during sleep, uh, there are many other different drugs. You know, people would ask, why didn't I you know talk about this hallucinogen or this uh, you know this or, or this prescription medication? And it was just you know a little bit too much for me to tackle. Mm-hmm. Well, I feel like um, with all of these paranormal things, you know, we're, we're trying to prove them out with physics, you know, the miracle of physics, or if you're religious with your religion, whatever. And there's just this stuff called mind <laughs> that we really have not explored, you know, and it's something that everybody seems to acknowledge is there with the exception of the most reductionist biologists who want to say that everything is a you know chemical in the brain. But there are other brands of psychology and biology and religion, and so on and so forth, that um, do acknowledge that there is such a thing as mind, but they rarely, if at all, define or even um, come to understand how um, we interact with it. Um, So maybe that's what we should be looking at, you know, just what is mind stuff, and what is that made of, (laughs) if anything at all? It might not be a matter of um, looking at dark matter or... Uh, anything in new physics. Um, well, if, if science could put their finger on actually how the brain works, maybe we could do that, but I, I don't think they, they've yet to do it. Yeah, well, well, well when, it, when you when you talk to psychologists, did they? what was their basic bent on this? Or what brand of psychologist did you talk to? Uh, I, I talked with uh, PhDs, and uh, they, they had been practicing psychologists, but they were, they were college professors at this point. Uh, what branch... Um, Frankly, I'm, I'm not sure what their what their uh, what their specific branch are because they they teach a number of different different types. Okay. Um, but but basically, other than the sleep paralysis, the seeing this it, it all it all had to do their their explanations had to do with archetypes, 
and um, you know the the Hat Man, which is a guy we haven't really discussed yet, uh, which is a shadow person uh, wearing a fedora, which is reported all over the globe. You know what is this? Why are people seeing it? Does it have to do with uh, you know with the, sh- with the shadow radio serial from back in the forties? Does uh, you know? Does it have to do with gangsters from back in the thirties? You know where? Why are people seeing this? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and of course, the psychologists uh, think that it has to do with uh, with the media. Mm-hmm. People in the Western culture are, f- are familiar with this, and if they see something they can't explain, their mind says, "Hey, wait a second, it's this." The same with another type of entity that seems to wear a shadow person entity that wears a monk's cowl. You know, why is the mind seeing that? Okay, you're scared. You see something vaguely human-like, you're not sure what it is, so your mind turns it into the Grim grim Reaper. So when the psychologists say that, do you get the sense that they are then therefore acknowledging that something unknown is occurring and therefore it's our own, you know, filters uh, go into action and that's what we perceive? I mean, are they acknowledging the unknown aspect of this? No, they're not. They're acknowledging, well, maybe you saw... uh, something you're not familiar with. Maybe you're in somebody else's house and you saw uh, a coat rack in the dark, and all of a sudden it's a shadow person. They're not saying that, yeah, shadow people exist. There are ghosts. There are uh, extraterrestrials. They're saying it's what you are perceiving something natural to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, you, you, we had mentioned earlier, we were talking about DMT and the way the, the, way the brain works. Uh, I, I wanted to bring up uh, a study done in, uh, by, a, by a Swedish scientist uh, a number of years ago, about um, uh, he, he was doing a study on uh, epilepsy, and a couple of his test subjects uh, reacted <laughs> interestingly. When he would put electricity into certain parts of their brain, they would report seeing shadow person standing behind them. When he increased the electricity, the shadow person got closer. Eventually, the shadow person would be sitting next to the person. The person could see them straight on. Uh, and to the to the to the highest extent, the shadow person the person got agitated because the shadow person was trying to take things like a pin out of their hand. So electricity pushed into part of the brain caused somebody to see a shadow person and even interact with that shadow person, even though no, nobody observing could see it. Hmm. You know, did did the electricity cause this person to, you know, think they saw something to hallucinate? Or did it cause them to actually see something that was there that nobody else could see? I mean, that's just, I, I, who knows the answer to that question, but it's, it's something that, that I felt needs to be asked. Well, it's interesting that, that you're seeing a shadow person do something that you would associate with a shadow person. It's not like they stimulate part of the brain and then you see a shadow person and it gets closer and then suddenly it's planting flowers. Or doing the, the uh, putting on the Ritz routine right. from uh, Young Frankenstein. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of odd, isn't it? I mean, the, the, yeah. the just sort of following the basic script of a shadow person. I mean, why would your brain have that in it? Um, what 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 part of instinct? What part of uh, evolution would produce such a thing? Right. It, exactly. And I, I don't think. I mean, that's that's one of the explanations uh, as you know, to why there are dragon legends all across the planet, that it is some basic human instinct from one of our earlier ancestors that we, uh, you know, that we're just terrified of giant lizards. That sounds like crap to me. So, I mean, it's the same thing with with shadow people. Why would that be from some earlier part of our, uh, you know, our our evolution? Why would that be part of our our brain? I I don't think it is. Jeff Ritzman. I'm curious how far back the fedora man goes. 
Well, the uh, the earliest uh, the earliest in- encounters uh, that I've been able to find Motown's twenty uh, fifth anniversary. Only... Oh wait, I'm sorry. Yeah, have only have only been. <laughs> I've only been back to about the 1960s of, of the fedora-wearing guy. I think the first uh, thing that came to mind, and this immediately shot into my head when you said the fedora shadow man was the scene in The Exorcist where the exorcist, I think, comes to the door and the man opens the door and you see, you see nothing but this silhouette of a man in a, um, a fedora-type hat, which as a kid, you know, watching this uh, preview for that movie on TV... That was um, that was the one single image that I came away with. I was curious if they coincided as far back as that went. No, but the priest standing outside the house with the light shining on him, that scared the bejesus out of me. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's horrifying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious more about, we talked about verbalizations, that there's not really anything being spoken by these things in any way, except for the one that you mentioned already. Is there any sort of sound that people perceive at all with these things? Is there a walking sound? Is there a sound of breathing or motion or air displacement? Anything like that? None of that. Uh, n- none of that at all. Stuff you'd expect if somebody actually physically walked by you. There have been uh, have been reports of you know a door shutting or something falling down the steps. You know, like a uh, you know a can being kicked down the steps or something. Uh, but those are, are are fairly rare, and I would classify them more in the ghost type uh, shadow encounter but a couple of different types of noise that has been associated with shadow people this is rare but it's uh, of the noise it's the most common is a buzzing noise uh, described as either a lot of bees or being close to uh, electricity being close to like a power generating station you know you Hmm. can hear that buzz of electricity and uh, like I said, I have very few encounters of that, but the people who have heard this buzzing are convinced it's some sort of communication from the shadow people to each other. Hmm. What, what would you say is the, what was conveyed to you as the longest sighting that someone ever had of one of these? Do you mean at one time, or do you mean yeah. throughout the yeah, years? It, it, well, in duration. I mean, well, both. I mean, throughout the years, but I mean, uh, I'm talking about you know, my, every time I've seen one of these things, it's been more or less fairly fleeting uh i think actually my wife should be the one talking about this because she saw them uh repeatedly and direct line of sight most of mine were rather fleeting and i'm what i'm wondering is has anyone sat in a living room and watched these things for minutes on end uh in a continual state or do they seem to fade in and out more or less, or or well, as opposed to being lost from view of going down a hallway or walking through a door, do people see these things fade in, walk across the floor and fade out, that type of thing? Most of the encounters, uh, which I just mentioned in the book because they're not that exciting, are most people see uh, you know a black shadow out of the corner of their eye, and when they mm-hmm. turn to face it, it's not there. Okay, that's that's fairly common. Uh, but uh, of the ones people see head-on, they're only a few seconds walking down the hall. Uh, they notice that some you know, the shadow person is standing in their doorway staring at them, and when they look at it, it looks panicked and goes away. Uh, there have been a, I do have a couple stories in the book that are, minute, that are minutes long. Uh, one man in, uh, in England was renting, renting a flat, and he was sitting on his couch, 
to, to watch TV. He said every Thursday, Friday, and Saturday night, which I feel sorry for his social life, but every Thursday, Friday, and Saturday night, he would sit and watch TV all night and in a darkened, darkened room. And in a TV, in, in, a refle- in the reflection, whenever it would you know, start to go dark, he would see, sitting on either side of him, a shadow person. And it made him uncomfortable at first, but he, they didn't do anything, so he, had, I mean, he couldn't see when he turned around to look. But he could see them in the, in the TV. And he said this would go on all night, to, to the extent to where he would get up uh, off, of his, off of his couch and go kneel in front of the TV to, to get a closer look at the reflection. Uh, he said after a while that he thought, you know, I'm going to wear the... Uh, wear the carpet out if I, uh, if I keep doing this. And then he realized when he first moved into the apartment, the carpet was worn right in front of where the TV, uh, you know, where the, where the cable, uh, the cable box was. Uh, so he thought, oh, my God, the person who lived here before was probably doing the same thing. And, and this went on, he said, for months uh, until he noticed one of the shadow people was, he thought, trying to push him into the one that was sitting on the other side of him. Uh, he moved shortly after that. But this is something that went on for months, and it went on for hours at a time because he would sit there and watch TV for hours at a time with these things sitting on either side of him. Now, he could see their reflection in the, the TV screen. Is that, did I hear that right? Yes. <laughs> but when he turned uh, to look at them, he couldn't see them sitting next to him. Makes no sense whatsoever. Big shocker there. Um, you know, I, I'm thinking, as you're saying, that uh, when – people initially see these things and the, and the thing seems to take notice that it's being viewed. There's a, a sense of panic. Uh, and I'm curious, how does a minimally, you know, conveying a shape like a shadow, how does it, uh, how does it look panic? How does the panic manifest itself? I mean, does the thing start kind of hopping and bopping and, and taking off or uh, does it duck? Does it, how does it, how does this panic more or less perceived by the person? Right, since since there are no facial expressions, because right. uh, in all yeah, in all, all shadow people in, uh, encounters that I've got, they can't see the face. Yeah, it's completely body body motion. You know, you're looking and it's there, staring at you. You feel it staring at you, and all of a sudden, you know, it jerks like it it, it comes awake, going, "Oh crap, <laughs> they can see me!" And then hmm. yeah, ducks or just runs out of the room. Here's a, here's one completely again out of left field. How many shadow person sightings on airplanes? Not any, not on any moving, uh, moving type of vehicle that uh, that I've gotten. Do the do the things happen? Uh, I would say probably, but uh, of the hundreds of reports that I, I've I've recorded, uh, not one inside a car, inside uh, inside a train, inside a plane. Don't you think that says something about this? What they're afraid to fly. We're afraid to fly. Well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, it says something to me that in and within moving large moving objects, we don't seem to have an overabundance of these like we do on the ground, which kind of suggests to me that a lot. I mean, they see ghosts on trains. They've seen ghosts on airplanes. I know that. Um, they've seen ghost trains. Right, yeah, <laughs> yeah, this is true. I, I don't know. Much like the altered perception type of thing that that we've already been going over. Um I don't know. I, I just have to wonder if it's something uh, something to do with the ground, something to do with... I mean, we had a geologist on that we spoke to at length. I heard uh, you mentioned to Jeremy on the, uh, the Culture of Contact episode you did with him about the limestone and the running water. And we had a geologist on the show who basically said, that doesn't mean anything. 
as far as uh, uh, you know being strong enough or or an electromagnetic magnetic frequency within the ground. None of that would really be strong enough in order to have the kind of effects that a, a high EMF field would have. Uh, well, which but who could says it has to? Maybe, maybe ghosts. I mean, maybe that's just their vacation spot. Oh yeah, yeah. When it, yeah, when it, it's their Hawaii, you know, when it, when it comes to the paranormal, <laughs> yeah, any explanation is as good as the next one in, in a lot of cases because if it was normal, we would know the answer, but it's paranormal, so, so we don't really know the answer. So, yeah, I respect the guy's opinion, absolutely, but, I mean, he doesn't know. Well, I mean, no a good, in ghost circles, guy. right, I mean, but in ghost circles, this is like a big thing. This is what they always put this down to. I mean, Absolutely if you watch, you watch Ghost Hunters, this is like, oh, well, we're sitting on a bed of granite or limestone. So what? What does that mean? Yeah. Uh, I mean, the only thing he did say was in, in terms of quartz, that we don't know what, what quartz can do as far as absorbing energy or storing it or that kind of thing. He said, now that, I might see something that, that could facilitate something strange like that. How that happens, who the hell knows? Well, um, I give some credence to my time machine. Time machine. That was completely out of left field too. Yeah, there's a couple of. Uh, <laughs> it's couple just a left field kind of night. A couple of <laughs> physics professors and myself uh, uh, wrote a grant proposal to buy a time machine, and uh, it was approved. So, but you need quartz crystals. And a so good this could be your last appearance on the show, and that was what you're saying. So, <laughs> or it could be my be first. <laughs> it could be my first appearance or my last appearance. It could be my third appearance. We really don't know. Well, let's. Uh... Anyway, that has nothing to do with shadow people. No, no, well, I, I definitely want to get to that because <laughs> we're not letting that go. But uh, we'll, we'll do that in a few. Let's continue on with shadow people for just a moment. Um, I'm just curious when when you were a kid, where was your bedroom? Was it on the first floor, the second floor? Did you have a basement? Uh, first floor. Did you have uh, a basement? Spent a lot of time in the basement because that's where Dad thought he had his Playboys hidden. <laughs> Well, did I did not see anything in the basement. Uh, well, I didn't no. see anything in any other room of the house. Right. My, well, my question is, uh, it, don't you find it odd that these things, when they do obey general sort of gravity, like walking on on a floor, if they don't have to, why would they? I mean, to why, freak why, you why out. Would, do people ever just see like half a shadow person through the floor as if walking on a floor? You know what I mean? No, not not that I've not that I've found in the research that I've done. But I have had reports of shadow people pulling themselves over a stone wall and jumping on the other side. Because hmm. uh, yeah. it, it's just interesting to me that 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 um, you know when we, when we think about like well, are we seeing broader reality? Are we seeing into another dimension? If you have a bedroom on a floor and you have ground underneath it, then that other dimension there would have to be ground right there on your floor. You know what I mean? There would have to be the thing that they're walking on wherever you're seeing them. Right, which a lot of ghost encounters do that. I mean, you've, you've got an old house, you've remodeled it, the old floor was three feet you know, below what you've got now. You know, people have reported seeing ghosts walking just uh, you know, through the floor. You, you can see them from the waist up, and that's it. Hmm. Okay, but shadow people, no, I, I haven't gotten any of those. They, they tend to, uh, again, other than dissipating, occasionally walking through a wall, occasionally folding up, Mostly, they they adhere to uh, adhere to the laws of physics. Now, getting back to those playboys. Oh wait, no, Jeff. <laughs> they they see. Explain for me again how the you were talking about 
pulling themselves over a wall? Right. Uh, there was a, a case in Portugal. Uh, a guy was uh, walking his then-girlfriend home. He said it was about 10 o'clock at night. Uh, they were walking through um, uh, a neighborhood park. It was basically a, a square with some trees. Uh, and they heard a tree shaking violently. And something thumped like a body hit the ground, of a large animal hit the ground. And they stopped. And all of a sudden they saw this hand reach on top of the wall, and it was a human hand, but it was it was black. He said it was blacker than, than anything burnt he'd ever seen. And another hand appeared, and it pulled a head with glowing red eyes, shoulders, and then a leg of something, a human-shaped, you know, black shadow figure, pulled it up. Then they started to back away, and before it could come over the wall completely, they were running full tilt to get the heck out of there. I mean, it was it was interacting with the tree. There was the thump of it hitting the ground, and it was pulling itself over a wall, which are all physical things. I mean, would you say that in the, the vast majority of reports that the thing seems to adhere to the confines of the house or the environment that it's in? Usually. There are, of course, cases where it doesn't. I mean, it, you could be it, it, obeying the rules of the house, but if you walk through a door, you're, you're no longer doing that. Mm-hmm. So, right. So, which, which it could be, those, those cases could be a ghost. Like, like I said, a lot, of, a lot of shadow people encounters are probably ghosts. It's right. the other ones that, that I'm really curious about. Well, I mean, I think uh, we, we had Mark Nesbitt of Ghost of Gettysburg on not terribly long ago, and one of the things not that he Michael mentioned... Nesbitt. Uh, uh, Mark Mark Nesbitt, right? <laughs> Not the monkeys guy. Not the monkeys uh, guy, right? <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> uh, and he said that uh, uh, there's a gentleman we're trying to get on the show who basically has taken a lot of photographs in Gettysburg and uh, using different filters in different um, configurations, and he gets really nice results out of these things. I mean, he's some of the most clear. Uh, ghost apparition type images that I've ever seen. And interestingly enough, some of the the spirits, uh, if they are spirits, uh, whatever they are, their legs are actually going into the ground. Uh, in other words, standing on, like Jeremy was talking about, the the old ground from where the ground used to be back, say, in the Civil War era. But you say most shadow people are actually walking on the ground that we see. Well, again, um, well, I shouldn't say again because I don't think I've said this before. Uh, I, people don't look at their feet. Mm-hmm. You know, they see a shadow person, they don't look at their feet. I, I didn't look at the feet of mine because, frankly, it was the rest of them that had me concerned. So to, to the extent of what they look like, it doesn't look like they are doing anything but walking across the floor, walking down the street. But, you know, are they walking below the ground? They might be a little bit, or they might be walking above the ground a little bit. But, again, you know, who the heck's going to take the time to look at their feet? Well, in a fleeting instance, there's no way you can, really. I mean, exactly. for, 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 your, for your sighting of, of these things, what, uh, what was the edge continuity like for you? I mean, was it extraordinarily fuzzy? Was it fuzzy at all? Was it well-defined or not? Most of the uh, my my encounter and most of the, most of the encounters that I have are pretty pretty well defined. Um, hmm. Yeah, extremely well defined. I mentioned earlier uh, Hanna Barbera animation. You know how uh, how how Fred Flintstone had a really nice nice black line. 
uh, surrounding his body. Uh, these things were pretty well defined. There were some cases where they were fuzzy. One person described uh, described the shadow person as looking like uh, uh, a darker version of uh, of TV snow. You know, it was it was moving inside. Something something was moving like TV snow, that was, but it was yeah. a lot darker. That was my next question for you. Is you know uh, we've talked a lot about just the nature of vision and perception in in a lot of paranormal instances, and it seems like there, at least from the people I've spoken with and, and inter- interviewed over the years um, in relation to the UFO thing, there seems to be a a level of like an atmospheric density that people are able to see a lot clearer. That density kind of, uh, I mean, my best example to you is the one I always give is to stare at a white wall in a medium-lit room, and you'll start to see what look like small particles um, dancing or moving all over that wall. Whether or not any pattern, you're going to see faces. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but you'll start to see basically this, this, this level of fine grain that seems to be making up the whole of your vision. Uh, and I was curious if that... If you if you can relate to that number one and number two, if if the the, the shadow people that you personally saw had a sort of that that materialistic or um, fine grain TV snow, like you said, that kind of thing, that's that's wholly evident throughout a lot of paranormal things. Did yours seem to have that kind of quality to it? Mine were like you know looking up in the sky and seeing the new moon. Hmm. You know, it was just a yeah, they were completely black, and there was a clear definition of the edge. Did they look two D to you, or did they look three D to you? Well, they to me they looked they looked two D. A lot of them, uh, a lot of the reports, and I haven't mentioned this before, but a lot, a lot of people report them looking two dimensional. One of the <laughs> more interesting descriptions of a two D shadow person uh, was of a, a paranormal investigator I spoke with, who was at Waverly Hills, and was in a hallway and saw a, a, a shadow person that she described as, you know, the, it's, the, it's the way it was walking, looked kind of like a guard patrolling the hallway. You know, like maybe it was the ghost of, of you know, somebody who used to work there. But when she shined the flashlight on it, it did two, two interesting things. One, uh, the light hit its arm, and she said it looked like it looked at its arm where the flashlight was hitting it, like she thought it, maybe it was in pain because the light hit it. And then it peeled itself, she said, off the wall like you were taking a magnet off the refrigerator. Hmm. And then just ran behind a door and disappeared. But that was definitely two-dimensional. Well, that reminds me, I mean, I, I told you about my, the one time I thought I might have seen something like that um, during the culture contact interview where when I was doing my little meditation thing, um, it looked like a shadow person <laughs> peeled itself off of the open bathroom door. Um, and that just freaked me out to where I sort of shook it off. And um, and that's what makes me think that it's got to have something to do with state of mind or the ability to um, see more of what's in the room um, for whatever reason at certain points. I don't know. It, it's just all completely, completely strange to me. Um so I, well, and, I guess and I don't want to people, see what's in the room. I was going to say shadow people. I mean, it really is kind of almost true. It's like it, it is to, for me anyway. It was this two dimensional shadow person. I, I don't have a feeling that what I saw was the actual thing. I don't know what would have happened if I just let it play out and let the thing just what 
come at me or or something. Um, I might not be talking to you right now. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm just saying. Are you on the time machine? Is that what you want to do? You want to do the time machine thing, Jason? No. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm uh, just saying. I'm just saying. Every, just surf every with the shadow people. <laughs> Let's talk about the time machine. What's going on? Every with <laughs> every person I've talked to who's had a, sh- a, t- a shadow person encounter, unless they've been like mine, which I, I labeled a benign encounter because they didn't take notice of me. Uh-huh. They didn't do anything to me except for walk through my room and make me wet my bed. But other than encounters like that, they've all been negative. I haven't really had any encounters that have been, hey, upbeat, hey, here's a shadow person here to fix my plumbing. They've <laughs> all been terrifying. Well, we had Phil so and Brogno on. That's the reason I said that. I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say we had Phil and Brogno on, uh, what, last week? my memory is going Uh, and he talked about what essentially sounds like shadow people except just like you said uh, red eyes in these um, these high strangeness areas in Hudson Valley Um, how prevalent are is the red eye shadow person um, in in what you've studied it's it's not the most prevalent type but it is (laughs) there have been enough encounters I had an entire chapter about the red-eyed shadows um, and just from the look of them, it, it's terrifying. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the, the the Catholic exorcist I spoke with, uh, of course, that these are absolutely, positively, uh, unequivocally demons. They're all demonic. And, well, just by the look at them, uh, <laughs> look of them, I would believe the guy. Uh, all the people I've interviewed who've seen these have said that they felt that uh, they were being fed off of when they've encountered them. Uh, these, these shadows tend to appear more when it's dark, loom over them. They're, they're usually big. Um, they can be the hat man. Hat men have been reported with red eyes. Uh, shadow people not wearing hats have been reported with red eyes. Uh, globs, black shadow globs that really have no definitive figure, other than looking like one of those things from uh, the Herculoids. Um, <laughs> they have been reported to have red eyes, and, and, and they've all been negative. One of, one of the more interesting encounters that, that I've had was a not me personally, but that I've I've reported on. Uh, a woman was eight months pregnant. She uh, her, her husband lived in an old house, and she got up in the middle of the night to use the bathroom, and the toilet faced the hallway. It faced the door, faced the hallway, so she, she could see down the entire length of the hallway, and she saw two red lights, and she kind of dismissed it until she realized that the light couldn't have been coming from outside. It started getting closer and closer until she realized. Oh, my, that's about the size of a big dog where those eyes would be. And it kept getting closer until she screamed, her husband turned on the light, and absolutely nothing was there. But there were no red lights emanating anywhere that could have explained what what she saw. Mm -hmm. And it was probably a good thing she was in the bathroom at the time she had her encounter. How do you find people for uh, your books? Uh, they find me a lot of times. Uh, I, I do just talk to people. People will often come up to me or call me. I have, uh, I have my number, I have my email address, uh, I've got my website out there. Uh, I'm really, uh, it's easy to, uh, easy to get a hold of me. I'm, I'm kind of the shadow person guy now. So people, uh, people from all over, actually from Australia to Europe to South Africa have gotten, gotten a hold of me to, to tell me their shadow person story. Have you spoken to Heidi Hollis? Uh, I've 
emailed her a couple of times, and actually, uh, well, she, she's never gotten back with me, so Heidi, if you hear this, uh, yeah, get back with me. Uh, we were supposed to speak at the same conference recently, uh, earlier this summer, and uh, she had some emergency and couldn't make it. So, uh, no, I haven't, but uh, it's on the, it's on my agenda. Hmm. Yeah, I'd like to see how your data stacks up, or well, it probably does. It's probably it's probably all the same, right? Well, I can I can only imagine the stuff. Well, because I've spoken with somebody. There's a a woman uh, uh, I spoke with. Actually, we're on uh, the same uh, same talk show together a number of months ago who runs the shadow people website and any any of the questions that i got or that she got we basically had the same answers so Mm -hmm. yeah i imagine imagine heidi same stuff i do very good well the book is darkness walks the shadow people among us chasing off it is the guest and now we turn to the time machine tell us about this time machine jason what the hell are you even talking about well um have you uh, ever heard of a guy named Stephen Gibbs? No. No. Okay. Stephen Gibbs is a guy from uh, Nebraska. Uh, I stumbled across this guy because uh, I have a book that's uh, coming out next year. Uh, that's uh, the publisher and I are debating over the the title, so I have nothing to give. But the basic premise was all of the paranormal things I could find within a hundred miles of my house. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. Well, I. I, I did that because I wanted to show one that you know you don't have to just go you know to Bluff Creek to find Bigfoot. You don't have to go you know to uh, to Roswell to find a UFO crash. You know you, you everything happens in your backyard. And here are the things that I found. I found some creepy stuff, but I found this guy. Oh, the other reason was gas was almost four bucks at the time. That's why I put the hundred mile limit on. But I found this guy named, named Steve Gibbs, and he is like 102 miles away. And it really ticked me off uh, because I couldn't include him in the book. But, but I found him. This guy claims that in the 1980s, he, from the future, came back and gave him, from the past, uh, plans to build a time machine, hmm. which, which he did and has since made a lot of money off of it. And it was featured in Napoleon Dynamite, if you ever saw that movie. Oh, yeah. God. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So I was, um, one of the cool things about uh, teaching in a college town is that I can go down to the corner bar and have beer with physicists. That's awesome. <laughs> and as we were having beer, we were talking about time travel, and I brought this guy up, and they're like, let's buy one. So we filled out a grant proposal, and it was actually approved. Wow. So... Anybody wondering where their tax money's going? It's buying me a time machine. <laughs> Higher education. Exactly. So um, yeah. we bought the time machine, and uh, I uh, I've used it a couple times. You let it. Uh, you got to let it heat up for three minutes, and then it takes about five <laughs> minutes or so to uh, actually work. And it did work. I went eight minutes into the future during the time that I used it. <laughs> because it took that long to figure it out. Because it took that long to figure it out. Exactly. <laughs> Um, but my, my, uh, the, the physicists who are, uh, uh, who are, who are in, in it with me are, uh, are playing with it right now. They're taking apart, uh, the Radio Shack components to find out exactly how this thing works. Hmm. Or, or doesn't work as the case may be. Or, or does, or doesn't work, yes. Um, and I guess lastly, just, I thought this was a cool little sidebar issue. Um, so you're a teacher or a professor at a college and you have proposed, go ahead, tell, tell the people what you've proposed. As a course, 
Uh, actually, to set the record straight, I am an instructor because I don't have uh, enough alphabet soup after my name. I don't have the Ph.D., okay. which is fine with me. Uh, yes, I proposed a course because I was a uh, journalist for about 18 years, and I still consider myself one because when I do research for books, I use all my uh, journalist training to get the information. Um, I'm also a big fan of the paranormal, have been since I was a kid and was scared to death in my room. So I proposed that um, I have a class called Paranormal Journalism, which teaches the uh, future generation of journalists how to report on the paranormal without being snarky, like many, many journalists do. Mm -hmm. No little green men were seen during, you know, during this UFO encounter. Or, oh, somebody saw Bigfoot. Ha ha. So basically the course is training, training young journalists to report on paranormal activity uh, as seriously as they would a car accident or, or a city council meeting. <laughs> really a course on etiquette. Um, yeah. Do you think yeah, it'll but pass? We, when we think... talk about Bigfoot, what, go ahead, sorry. I was going to say, what, what, would you, um, do you think it will pass? Do you think that this will become a reality? Oh, it, it already has. Oh, it has. You proposed it, it already has. teaching it. I've been teaching it for two weeks now. Oh, my God. Congratulations. Yes, thank you. This has been absolutely fantastic. The, uh, the administration uh, actually okayed it. The uh, students uh, think it's terrific, and we are traveling next week to the Villisca, Iowa Axe Murder House that is supposed to be one of the most haunted spots in Iowa. Hmm. That's scary. You don't just have covered, <laughs> covered bridges or John Wayne's birthplace in Iowa. You have. <laughs> you have ghosts. Very good. Um, By right. the way, we're using the time machine in uh, in class. Uh, I'll probably have to fill out some bureaucratic form, you know, just in case one of the kids zaps into nothing. <laughs> or one of the one of the major problems is one of the one of the one of the parts, one of the components of the time machine is a fairly powerful electromagnet that you have to stick in your crotch. Is that right? So yeah, <laughs> so yeah. Unless, unless you've had a vasectomy, you should worry. <laughs> Yikes. Uh, all right, well, I, that's our time. No. Uh, Jeff, do you have anything further? Well, actually, the one thing I did want to say about the uh, – I, I found the story about the Waverly Hills um, guy pretty interesting in that I think back – I mean, you, or earlier Jen, Jason mentioned uh, McKenna, and one of the things that uh, the Terrence mentioned about uh, UFOs in particular was that he felt at one point that they could be mirages in time – and uh, looking at from the aspect that this thing was walking uh, about doing its business uh, as this, uh, I, I think uh, Jason had said it was a, a lady who had seen this, walking around doing its its business, and she thought maybe this was some kind of orderly that had worked there at one time or another. And then she shone a flashlight on its arm, to which it looked at its arm and ran away. I mean, that immediately, for me, the, the kind of the line that I draw to that or connect the dots I draw with that is that uh, – what if there was uh, some sort of uh, time displacement or distortion at that point, and an orderly from back in God knows how far, you know, nineteen forty, fifty something, uh, saw a light on his arm <laughs> and freaked out and ran away? You know, uh, that's the question I ask about EVPs as well. Is you know, are we actually speaking across uh, some sort of time dilation of some sort, as opposed to speaking to a dead person? You know, these are all like really interesting things to play with, and I guess ultimately we have to get a physicist to get on here to to actually talk about it. Is that even a possibility mathematically that something like that can happen? 
Right. There have been uh, a number of cases, a number of people I've interviewed who've described a ghost encounter that sounded to me like, well, yeah, exactly what you're saying. You know, is it just some rift in time? Are they seeing these Civil War soldiers tramping across the creek? You know, are they actually seeing that and not seeing the spirits of Civil Civil War soldiers tramping across the creek? Right, right. Yeah, that, I mean, that's all interesting stuff to play around with. So when you uh, when you hook that diode to the crotch, try to uh, take a ride out to Waverly and check that out for me. Okay, I'll make sure to do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, is there anything that we uh, didn't cover that you wanted to uh, talk about? Uh, I would. Uh, I'd love to give out. Uh, love to give out my uh, my blog address and my uh, email address if that'd be okay. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Go for it. Okay. Yeah. I would love if anybody's got any any stories uh, they'd like to tell me, or if they have any any questions they'd like me to comment on, or if they you know like to tell me that hey, Jason, your interview sucked. Um, get a hold of me at Jason Offit, J A S O N O F F U T T at hotmail dot com. I only say that because I stutter a lot. Uh, <laughs> or uh, Take a look at my my blog. It's on uh, uh, it's from the shadows dot dot com and from the shadows has hyphens. Okay, so from hyphen the hyphen shadows dot com. Right. Very good. Well, thank you once again, sir. It was a fun conversation yet again. And when your next book comes out, uh, let me know, and we'll do round three. Absolutely, I sure will. I've had a great time with the show. Thank you, gentlemen. Yep. Take thank care. you, sir. This is Phil and Brogdon, paranormal investigator and scientist sometimes. You're listening to Jeff and Jeremy on Paratopia. Eerie Radio, the endeavor for esoteric research and investigation into the enigmatic. Eerie Radio is a weekly podcast that features interviews with the world's leading paranormal researchers. Download episodes of Eerie Radio from your favorite podcatcher or directly from the show website at www.eerieradio.com. Eerie Radio. Listen. Learn. Laugh. So the Jeff. Yes, Jeremy. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm fine. Hmm. I'm glad we got that out of the way. Uh, I ever tell you I'm sick of being pleasant to you? This whole on-air ruse is really getting to me. <laughs> I feel like it's completely mutual. <laughs> I'm looking at Jeff, um, and it's the first time that I've ever really, really thought, like, this is your Nick Nolte mugshot. I call this hairstyle the beaker. <laughs> <laughs> this is the beaker. Um, Jason, nice guy. Um, very nice. Very likable, very down to earth. One of the few people in the paranormal realm who says, I'm a reporter, and I actually mm-hmm. believe him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because we've all seen what some of those reporters do. She'll <laughs> join her when they get a desk a guest on about their show that uh, should be should be really questioned thoroughly. I'm taking, I'm taking that right out. <laughs> I won't take that. Um, I was thinking more along the lines of Paola Harry, but okay. Okay, um, well we can go that route too. Well, we if can you go like. down the list, really. I mean, yeah, I pretty mean, much anyone who says I'm a reporter in this field is. Uh, is full of Smurf or Jason Offit. <laughs> I just report the facts. Uh. 
so anything, I don't know, new that you learned here? No, I'm pretty much as uh, bamboozled by shadow people as I was before. I uh, I have no great revelations. Uh, I mean, I, to me, I think it could be uh, much like every other part of the paranormal. could be many different things all kind of rolled into one. Uh, I, I, I do want to comment, though, on what you were saying about the uh, the Salvia guy over in the U.K., because I've, I've watched his, his films uh, uh, on his experiences over and over because I find him absolutely fascinating. And his, his story essentially is that when he smokes enough of this stuff, a portal opens beside him. And, uh, Your hair is fantastic. <laughs> I just gotta say. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if he can do this. No, no, no. You don't have to go brush anything. Where are you going? (laughs) Oh, my partner has left me, ladies and gentlemen. The bromance is over. (laughs) Very good. He's wearing a hat. Okay. Go on. Hi. So, yes, the man... Uh, Apparently, when he smokes enough of this stuff... He sees what amounts to a portal open, open up beside him, and there is a being which he says is made of light. So it's kind of the opposite of a shadow person. It's made of light, and it's turning a large, I don't know, spool. And on this spool is the guy as a flat 2D picture. Uh, but yet when he moves, the thing on the spool moves, <laughs> which is kind of weird. And... Uh, you know, he says this thing is just continuously at a very even pace, rolling up what he anxiously refers to as his reality, that it's rolling up his reality as reality is progressing. This thing is rolling it up onto a big spool. And apparently what he says happens with that or what the being has told him is that when he dies, that carpet or that material will be cut and that spool will be given to him to present to God. That's the overall arcing premise of his story. Hmm. Uh, now, whether any of that stuff is true or not, or or is completely fabricated, I don't know. But uh, I've not heard a lot of people talk about this on Salvia. However, I have heard a lot of people talk about seeing a spool, seeing something winding something, seeing you know this turning, spinning, flat two D reality being somehow compacted. Uh, which is an interesting similarity across the board, not unlike the DMT stuff where people see these machine elves or things like that. So, you know, the opposite of a shadow person. See, Uh, I just, I find the shadow thing increasingly interesting because, you know, like I said, I did have that one experience, but I could almost be talked into believing I was seeing things for the simple fact that when I shook off that state and turned on the light, nothing was there. Uh, and I, I guess I've just never really given shadow people a second thought because I'd always heard it as like, I saw something out of the quarter of my eye. It's like, well, everybody does that. That's not a mystery. Right. Um, but so to me, it's like sort of the way you feel about the so-called reptilian alien stuff where you're just not feeling it. It's kind of the way I feel about shadow people, but the more I hear, I guess, the more I'm sort of swayed that maybe it does deserve its own category of thing, um, or things that are perhaps an aspect of something that we're just getting a, a glimpse of but don't really have a handle on. Or maybe it is just as, I don't know, I guess I just don't want to believe in a world where there are things like 
energy leeches or whatever. I mean, that just sounds silly to me and or trite. It sounds like a trite existence to be a shadow of a person who needs to <laughs> suck emotional energy out of people or something. And uh, Vampiric stuff. Um, I mean, something that I haven't really talked about is the events when I was a child, you know, between five and nine, which everybody at this point, God help me, everybody at this point, I don't know what I'm talking about. One of the components to that, I, I always said that there were variables in that whole scenario of seeing a, a spinning white square and waking up with black sheets and a light on me and all that sort of thing. And one of the, the variables in that was that there were points where I was allowed to, uh, or permitted to have a voice. Uh, normally I couldn't speak at all. I couldn't scream, but there were points where I, and I have no explanation to explain to you, how I would know that I could talk other than there was just a feeling like, we'll let you talk if you don't scream. That was kind of the, I don't know, the, 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 the feeling that I got. And I noticed that there were times where I could talk and I would say stuff like, is this real? Is this really happening? I do it very low. There was always this keep quiet. Don't, you know, don't make a fuss. Don't scream. And the more or less the, Enforcer of that rule was a tall being that was nothing but shadow. He was a black outline. And much like um, Jason described, very sharply defined uh, edge, not blurry, not like what we saw in the condominium. This was very sharply defined, and he would just simply stand there as the enforcer of this don't scream rule. And these were, and again, these were not like sitting there for hours on end watching this thing at the end of my bed just stand there so that I didn't scream. These were these these two were fleeting moments. These were, you know, we'll we'll ungag you if you don't scream, and just so you don't scream, here's this guy to threaten you to keep your mouth shut. Um, and he was overtly terrifying. I mean, absolutely terrifying. <laughs> we'll ungag you, but shut the hell up. And don't talk, or you'll have to deal with this guy. <laughs> that sort of thing. So I don't know. I mean, are you dealing with multidimensional entities of some sort that are some kind of uh, violent uh, aggressor type thing? Or are you dealing with just seeing across a dimensional rift of some sort? I mean, how often do these things happen? I mean, so there's there's any explanation you could want. I, I don't. I found that the highway story pretty damn interesting. Mm-hmm. I thought that was I thought that was pretty bizarre, actually. Um, but I mean, what do you do with that? How do you fit that into any kind of category at all? I'm as perplexed now as I was before. I don't know anything more. <laughs> you know, this this whole shadow person thing seems to have really taken off. And I'd say what the past five six years. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's really gotten prevalent. I don't know what to make of it. Really don't. Yeah, I, I don't. I wish I had more to offer. I mean, I just don't. Um... To me, it's um, – I'd be interested to read the book because I bet it's um, some interesting stories and some, you know, good back and forth, it sounds like, with experts in various fields of, you know, their explanation and then his sort of rebuttal to that probably. Um, mm. But beyond that, beyond one book about it, I don't know that I need much more. It, it, seems, it seems as uh, two-dimensional as they are of a topic in that once you get beyond the stories, you're, you're just left with, well, I don't know, but they're certainly not communicating anything 
beyond we're here to suck your energy, if if they even do that. They're just sort of a fleeting <laughs> instance of something, and they're not something like ghosts or whatever that are multidimensional in the aspect that you can maybe catch an EVP or get them on video or, or something along those lines. Something to pique your interest and keep you going with it. It just seems like um, a go-nowhere topic in a way. That's pretty much all the paranormal. <laughs> yeah, but what I'm saying is it isn't pretty much all the paranormal. I, I mean, mean a- alien stuff or whatever you want to call that is ever-evolving, you know? Well, you can extrapolate further with it, too. I mean, either way. I mean, this this, this shadow person thing, I don't, I don't know that you can ex- extrapolate endlessly on what it is. I mean, the most interesting thing about the shadow person thing is what you just said about your own experiences. Because now you've just linked <laughs> it to this other stuff. You know, so now it is part of a broader tapestry. And so, I mean, that was only like, I would say at the most three times, two, three times. It wasn't like that was a commonality throughout that thing. That was one of those variables that I mentioned, you know. Uh, but in a way, isn't that interesting? Like of, of all the um, all the sort of paranormal topics of study that do branch out and get more interesting, that the shadow person stuff is really sort of a self-contained thing. So I wonder if that even leave, leaves even more credence to it, you know? Maybe there is a, a de- defined reality to this thing that you could almost nail if you could just figure out the right combination of stuff. I mean, I keep going back to the, you know, are we seeing shadows of ourselves doing typical things, or are we see- seeing shadows of time or mirages in time of, at the condo, was there a three-story farmhouse there and was that farmhouse situated in such a way that it uh, a, a common place in the house coincided with the location of the bathroom and were we seeing some kind of mirage of of people going out the front door or out the back door i, I mean who knows uh, how do you perceive this stuff and and how does it uh uh is, is it a manifestation i don't think they're manifestations per se that uh you know, I mean, I, I, I set up my own camera right there in the hallway, and it, it was there. I mean, Lisa flat out saw it walk into the bathroom, and I got nothing. I mean, it's a blank tape with the light on in the bathroom. That's all it is. There's nothing there. So one has to wonder if it's all a, a perceptive angle, or does it have any, uh, you know, objective reality to it at all? Well, I don't know. I'll throw out a hypothesis just to make things interesting. What if, Jeff, just go with me on this, Um, you know, we hear about um, these uh, cycles of cataclysm and transcendence, right? These are sort of cyclical time. At the end of every few thousand years, things get bowled over and something new takes over, blah, blah, blah. Well, what if that's true? What if um, what we're seeing with ghosts would be maybe our, us when we die, shadow people would be the version of whatever was around before humans, these supposed aliens are another form Various spirit things out in the, you know, the mythos are another form. And what if all of these uh, various entities don't have bodies to attach themselves to anymore because humans are up to bat? Or, alternatively, maybe they do. Maybe they can incarnate into us or or have a chance um, at, at having bodies or not. Maybe they... Some of them have unionized in some way and they're anti-life or something. They're, they're waiting for whatever the big... Uh, overarching cycle is that ends all of that. I, I don't know. I'm just thinking out loud here because it, it just seems like there's an awful lot of levels of beings uh, roaming around in mind space that that certainly we can perceive sometimes. And um, 
you know, how is it that they're all interrelated and yet separate? Um, maybe it's something along those lines. How are we all interconnected but separate? Maybe it's something having to do I mean, with that. They're all connected because we perceive all of them. I mean, that's the one big connection is like if we weren't here, would shadow people still be roaming around? If the tree dropped in the woods type of thing. Well, but they're not just roaming around. They're then saying, well, we feed off your energy. We want you to die. I mean, they're not just being looked at. They're- I don't know how much I can faith I can put in that one report. I got to be honest, you know. I don't know. I don't know. I think immediately when we see a black form or a black shape, there's your, there's your evil archetype. You know, Darth Vader, Darth Maul. <laughs> you but know, why do we I have mean, these? I mean, why do we have these myth? These let's call them myths or whatever. Um, some involving helper spirits who are here to do whatever they can for us, and some of them involving seemingly resentful, even reptilian aliens, right? The sort of myth around them is that they somehow resent humans, right? Which makes no sense if they're aliens from another planet. Uh, what, what buildup of jealousy and hatred would they have toward us, really? <laughs> so I'm just saying, in that realm of, like, um, of the giant fish tank of paranormal stuff where you've got sharks always swimming at this level and sunfish always swimming at this level or whatever it is, you know, maybe, um, uh, maybe we've got the, uh, we're the water, we're the life and they're all attracted to us because we're the thing that has the bodies at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, or we're the thing that can interact with the real, maybe they're all jealous. I mean, maybe that's, I mean, wouldn't that be ironic because our sense of freedom is, is less stuff more space, you know, in meditation, it's the mental clutter and more, you know, freedom that way. Maybe for them, more freedom is uh, to enter stuff, to have definition and, and um, mm. finite identity. Mm. I don't know. <laughs> You've got eschatological fever, Jeremy. You were born with a retrovirus that works not in physicality, but in time. You've been listening to a lot of McKenna lately, haven't you? I have been, actually, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a fascinating guy. Sure. Uh, and uh, and God, I wish I wish he was still around to tap him for some of this stuff, because I, I, you know... Uh, <laughs> I wish I could approach any of this with his with his. Uh, I mean, I do approach it with with a level of skepticism. But he had a okay. If this stuff is happening, come show me. Let's explore the edges of this a little bit, which I think we try to do on the show is to explore the edges of it. But uh, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, at this point with the shadow people thing, it's like I, I don't. It's never been a, a super favorite subject of mine, but. Uh, I mean, you look at something like Ghost Hunters, what do they say shadow people are? Because they, they've said on their show that this is a, a very prevalent type of manifestation that they get reports of. Mm-hmm. And uh, and their, I think their aspect of it is it's just another form of a ghost. It's just another form of an entity of some sort. What it is, they don't know. So I don't know. But what does that uh, mean, an entity? I mean, this is the thing. I mean, what is a shadow person or a ghost? I mean, what do they do in their spare time? Or if there, well, this is their spare like, time, what do they do for work? What do they do? Do they uh, raise I mean, shadow I, families? I mean, what? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is the same thing I used to ask the old research partners. Like, you know, the the uh, where are the aliens right now? You know, we're sitting here on the couch uh, drinking Pepsi and, uh, and, and, you know, talking about this stuff or watching a 
a documentary. Where are they right now? Our, our end result of that conversation was they could be all around us all the time. Uh, yeah, but doing what? Just watching watching us do this? Either watching <laughs> or, or, I mean, God knows. I mean, they, if they don't operate like us, I mean, does time operate for them the same way? I don't think it does. I don't think time operates the same. I mean, how can it? You know, this was a discussion I got into with my mom at the beach this weekend. It's like uh, she talk, started talking about uh, – I can't remember who it was that she had read a book or she had spoken to someone about, uh, you know, people who have died. Uh, uh, you know, we miss people who have gone before us. We miss our, our grandparents and our great-grandparents and whoever. And, uh, you know, you, you always sit back and you go, well, I wonder if wherever they are, do they miss us? That's the question is, where are they? And do they miss us? And one of the things that, mom said to me, which was kind of weird coming out of my mother, which was uh, she's always had the feeling that uh, it's literally the blink of an eye to them. The, the, the notion of being away from us is, is not present because it, it's that time does not exist in the same way. Right, like a Could we, yeah. I mean, you know, is it, is it, uh, you know, you get married and, and you, you know, you pass away at uh, 80 and your wife lives to be 90 and, uh, you know, it's the blink of an eye to you, to wherever you are, her coming to the same place, uh, which, which again, may, we're all going to get there, I guess, at some point. But uh, are you even recognizable as the self that you knew here? I mean, these are all the bigger questions to all this, is how does, what? Yeah. where are the aliens right now, and how do they perceive where they are? Well, um, I just wonder, you know, doing the shroom thing, uh, and being shown around all these various states of consciousness, like a carny barker, like, hey, look here, look here, look here, which paralleled uh, what we heard about the you know, machine elves or whatever. It's all that sort of, hey, hey, look at this, look at this, trying to sell you something. But maybe it's not trying to sell you something. Maybe it's like just this immediacy of, um, gee, people are getting bored with this. I mean, what if nobody took any sort of hallucinogen again? If these were actual places, would they just shrivel up and die? Would they be bored without us? Are they, like, excited to see us because you know, finally they have something to do and interact with? I don't know. Hmm. These are the things I concern myself with, Jeff. (laughs) (laughs) And I, too. I don't know. I mean, I think it's more along the lines of when you talk about... I guess is the the overarching question here. Do do they they need us? And do we need them? I I think it's a... I mean, I think when you're talking about being shown all these different things, and, and that's happened with me, and in the course of uh, uh, alien holding up the quote signs experiences is being shown these weird things. And, uh, and my own uh, mushroom delusion of uh, the girl walking in the woods and in this place and being told, you know, you're not supposed to be here, but uh, you know, at some point in the future, you'll understand why this is and all of that. I mean, maybe it's nothing more than, (laughs) Instead of them being jealous of us, maybe they are annoyed. Uh, maybe all of these beings are rather annoyed that we don't acknowledge them as as uh, as a coexisting in the same type of space that we are. And maybe, like I've said before, I think it, it came up on our message board a while back about you know this whole thing being extraterrestrial and all of that. And I'm constantly trying to tell people. You know, there's, 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 there's just no that that the, the data is not pointing in that direction. But if you really want to think about something interesting, is like we don't know 
what happens when an atomic bomb explodes here on Earth. We don't know what that does to higher dimensional beings. Are we killing them? Uh, are we ripping holes in things that we know nothing about? And maybe is this whole thing going along the lines of, you need to wake the hell up and realize there are other things on this planet besides what you can see with your meatball eyes and that hunk of, uh, of, of USDA prime in your skull. There's more to it than that. Uh, so my question is, are they annoyed with us? I mean, is that the point of, of a manifestation or someone being able to perceive these things to, to tell people, hey, more here than meets the eye, more here than what uh, you know, science will tell you. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, <laughs> science almost sounds like a cuss word to me anymore. I hate to, I hate to say it, but you know, uh, I've, I've kind of adopted that McKenna-esque attitude with science being nothing but <laughs> I think I related to you the other night. It's like science is the only profession in the world. You get points for being wrong. You know? Well, you know, let's let's be clear. I mean, science did a lot of uh, great things in its day. Yeah, but, of course, but then of it, course. Then it came up against its own limits. I think rationality essentially has come up to its own wall, and now it is trying to collapse everything down into it, as opposed to branching off into the next thing, uh, which is exactly what religion was guilty of, which is why science came along in the first place. <laughs> And we're not talking about people like Kaku and, and all of these other people who, who are willing to, to push the limits or push the envelope of science, uh, who really are, you know, the same type of pioneering attitudes and, and, uh, and directions that, that got us to where we are today. It seems like science has kind of stagnated on itself, like this is what it is and it can't be anything else because anything outside of this can't exist. And that's just ridiculous. I mean, we don't. There's so much we don't know. But, uh, you know, write paper A and then do more studies and find out paper A was wrong and publish paper B that negates paper A. And everybody in science will go, you know, this Jeremy Vaney, he does good work. (laughs) You know, this is a smart guy. That kind of thing. Uh, Peer review. I understand all the scientific process. I get it. But, I mean, as far as this subject goes, I mean, I think we've got more than enough now. To, to have science legitimately look at this. And some of them are. Let's not put everybody into that box. Some people are. But uh, I just I, I become over, overly disgusted with uh, the notion of every, you know, science just poo-pooing this stuff away as one thing or another. I mean, for God's sakes, you know, we've got Persinger now saying, really, is the God helmet making people able to perceive something that they otherwise wouldn't? Or is it something that exists solely within the mind? I don't know. I mean, that's, that's well, where all the good... of thought that says that scientists should set up sciences within states, that there should be a science for various states of consciousness. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I would be all for. I mean, why not go and explore these other things instead of, instead of leaving the decision of whether, for instance, you know, uh, DMT is just a hallucination, a biological product, blah, blah, blah. Screw all that noise. Why not have a group of people who take it, who do it, and go and explore that way and and write down their findings and try to see if they can't um, apply a scientific method to what they experience there. Hmm. Um, And again, and I think ufology is guilty of this. I've been sort of, I haven't fully fleshed this out yet, but I have been working on 
a new model, a new structure by which ufology can can maybe uh, take a new direction in all of this, which is sort of taking the the spiritual model of uh, third person, second person, first person experience of this other. So that third person would be like UFO sightings. The second person would be like a, you know, typified by a Whitley Strieber where it's this thing interacting with me. And I guess for abductions, third person would be, um, you know, little doctor abductions where it's like this thing is happening to me or at me. And then the second mm-hmm. person is this thing is happening with me. And then first person, of course, is the I am this. And I think all of them have their shadow side, their faults, where, you know, contactees being the shadow side of a Strieber, the uh, abductees who believe that they're star seed and they have indigo children or whatever, being sort of the shadow side of the I am this transcendental thing. Um, but I don't know, but sort of breaking it up into these component parts and, and studying it that way and keeping them as specialty fields and then you know, maybe culminating, um, you know, sort of cross-checking or whatever, you know, the various uh, departments of this new ufological science. Uh, but that would be a secondary step. The first step would be to actually break it down into these these categories, to recognize them as real categories, break them down into those categories, and then explore them as their own stages of this thing. Uh, hmm. I think that might be something interesting. That might produce a fruit of some sort. And of course, the big the big problem with all of that is how do we get anyone to adhere to it? <laughs> well, I mean, uh, I'll th- I'm throwing it out here now on this show, and I guess I'll I'll write it up and throw it out on UFO magazine, and and then somebody will steal it and pretend it was their idea uh, with a PhD <laughs> in their name or something, and um, it'll get done. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's not something that anyone would have to do. It would just be another way to look at things, and it might make sense to try to do these sort of subcategories, not just as categories, but as stages, as actual stages of this unfolding thing, you know? Well, then I'm I'm assuming then that you're talking about comparative data between each of these subcategories that would then be applied to some kind of whole. Yeah, but that would have to be later. You know, first we would have to define what the stages are and what's in them. What about progressive categories? What about progressive, um, as you know, mine's taken decidedly... (laughs) Forked word. Uh, I mean, how does how does one? Uh, well, I think you're. Well, here we get. Okay, here we get into things we can't talk about. But I think you're the the uh, it would be the example of the next thing. You know, almost getting there. How about that? Tour. You know, you were a streamer, <laughs> and now you are really? becoming. And now you are becoming the transcendental man. Oh no. <laughs> Great. So anyway, I've got a uh, I've got a limit here. Uh, should I go on? You've got a limit. What do you mean? Uh-huh. I don't know. What does that mean? Uh, the line has been shown to me. Oh, oh <laughs> should it I has. Put it that way? Yes. Yeah. Well, then, by all means, let people know what the hell we're even alluding to. It was before the Richard Haynes episode, correct? Yes. Um, or, or was it? I think it was. Okay. It was around see, I don't that keep, time. It was around see, that time, I don't keep, anyway. Yeah, see, I don't keep a journal, so, you know, which I've started doing as of about uh, four days ago. It so, was like two or three well, weeks ago. So Yeah, so I guess it was like two or three weeks ago, uh, somewhere in between there. Uh, was upstairs asleep, was awoken by a man at the door uh, of the bedroom wearing a dark sheet 
for lack of a better word, which wasn't like a monk's robe, which was more like a shroud, like as if uh, you took a sheet long ways, spread your arms out, and kind of wrapped it around the top of your head, and it was pulled down in front of him. And, um, uh, of course, everybody knows me at this point. I was immediately horrified, uh, to which he just put up his hand, and I have no other way to describe it other than that was instantly removed from me, that numbing fear was just removed from me and it it all of a sudden became a feeling of uh familiarity i guess is the best way to put it and he motioned and said to come downstairs and i followed him down the stairs he crested the bottom of the stairs and turned left to go out into the living room before i got down out of the stairwell and when i got down to the bottom floor there was no one there my dog indiana that's right indiana uh (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we named the dog Indiana, came down behind me because anytime I wake up, she wakes up pretty much. And she followed me downstairs. I then went into Jeremy's room when he comes to stay here, and I went into the guitar room. There was nothing going on. There was nothing there. I hear audibly. Uh, this is not in my head. This is not a uh, telepathic thing or whatever you want to call it. I hear, out here. <laughs> and I go out, and he is sitting in the middle of the living room floor, uh, what I perceive to be is cross-legged on the floor. And, and I mentioned this before. We've, we've tried to talk about this twice before, and I've, I've kind of been <laughs> reprimanded for it. <laughs> so I can't – I'm not going to go into the, the gruesome details of, of everything, but he was sitting there. I could see his mouth. I could see his chin, very square jaw, dimple in the chin, no 5 o'clock shadow, no hint of – what any normal human male would have, just very smooth skin, but not shiny. Nothing akin to the guy in the Ohio incident that I've related on other shows. And essentially he motioned me to, for me to sit down in front of him. Uh, what I can say about seeing that picture, you know, sitting here picturing it in my head, is that when he was standing up, it seemed like whatever was around him, whatever kind of garment this was, was barely touching the floor, maybe just a little bit on the floor. But when he was sitting in the living room, this stuff seemed to be just billowing out all around him. Uh, It wasn't moving. It just seemed like there was a lot more cloth than there needed to be before. It seemed like it was bigger on the ground. And uh, I basically, I just, I sat down and, and, and he basically said, no, like me, like this. And I sat down cross-legged and, you know, closer. And it was to the point where my knees were touching what I perceived to be his knees underneath of this garment. And I just sat there and and, uh, he basically conveyed to me that my experience, my human experience with this was going to change and that I, I didn't have to be afraid of anything and basically gave me a couple of instructions on, how to be with this stuff, how to, and not be with it as in how to interact with it, but how to, how, how it sits with me personally, that I don't have to, I don't have to react out of anger. I don't have to be this reactionary person and I don't have to be, um, I, I think anybody who's listened to this show long enough has, has heard me speak before and has, and knows full well that I am very, uh, um and ah a lot and i've told jeremy in in years past that part of the reason i do that is because the first go round that i had in ufology i noticed something very 
common to this study, which is whatever comes out of your mouth, you better be damn sure is uh, is correct and truthful. And if it's not, or it's not the whole story, that's going to be pointed out. So I, I choose my words very carefully. I speak very deliberately about this. But I'm very careful in how I try to couch things so as not to have any misunderstandings between me and whoever I'm speaking to. This man made this very apparent to me that I don't have to worry about that, that I can, I can speak about certain things and not have to worry about how people are understanding me. And at the same time, I don't have to be concerned with, I would say, people that I feel are less than reputable in this whole study. <laughs> and I, I have had an enormous amount of anger about this whole subject for many years and um, and I related those those points to this man, and his answer to me was, "That's not your problem." And when I tried to <laughs> kind of drive my point home, in the sense that I didn't think he was paying attention to me because he was looking around the room at that point and kind of playing this over and over in my head since it happened, I almost feel like, and Jeremy, it's the first time I'm telling you this too. I almost feel like he was looking around the room because he was getting a little perturbed. <laughs> In other words, you're not listening to what I'm telling you. It's not your problem. You know, you don't seem to get it. It's not your concern to have. Your concern to have is what I'm telling you. And um, and so that's kind of how I've adopted, or I've kind of, I don't know if I've adopted that mentality yet, but I'm working into that little by little. I was told to to go outside at night by myself and just sit and listen to try to, uh, well, in, in his words, that I would be able to hear them better. I'm still not totally clear on what that is because I've done that. I haven't seen or felt or heard anything at all. Uh, maybe I'm missing something or maybe something is yet to happen, but uh, I, I don't have to be as fearful about it anymore. And I would say... <laughs> Whatever, whatever this being was, whatever he was, he removed from me a massive, just a massive amount of fear and apprehension about this in an instant, which if no one has ever felt that kind of, I, I could almost, in talking to my mom, I could almost equate it to her taking care of her father for a year or two who was very, very sick with Parkinson's disease and was suffering. And she was not only sad to see this very strong man basically reduced to um, a shadow of himself, but when the end came for her, it was just this enormous instantaneous lift of, thank God it's over. Thank God he's not suffering with this anymore. I mean, something like that's got to be incredibly painful to watch. I, pray that I never have to go through that, what she did with her parents. But I'd liken it to that kind of feeling. All of a sudden, he puts his hand up to my chest, and this, it's like uh, this 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 10-pound weight that was in my rib cage is just all of a sudden gone. I felt, visib- I felt perceptibly lighter in my person. I, I felt lighter. I felt like a, a weight had been lifted off my shoulders. And... Um, and it's it's been that way ever since. I feel much more calm about the whole thing. I feel in portions sort of validated about it. But all I was told is that my experience with it, my human experience with this is going to change. 
has it, it has in the sense that there are things that I'm not going to talk about that I had talked about or tried to convey on this show to Jeremy and for everybody else, because this was just an amazing thing to me that apparently I can't talk about because I was physically told so. And uh, I'm, you know, I don't want to get into all of that, but, uh, and I, and I don't, I don't say that there's anything to hide about it. It's nothing like that. It's just, it's, it's individualized personal work that I guess I'm not supposed to really get into at this point. But since then I feel a lot better (laughs) able to collect thoughts a lot faster, a lot more accurately. I mean, the idea of being afraid to go outside after dark is like nothing. Now, am I ready to go up to uh, the hill in the dark (laughs) at the, at the place where we've had so many experiences? No, I'm not ready for that yet. But I certainly don't feel that um, that fear that I've been living with for decades now that about this stuff. I don't. I don't feel that at all anymore. The whole thing seems to be to have, taken on a completely different air about it. So what that is, who he was, I have no idea. But I will say he got up when he left and said that uh, I, I would essentially see him again, and he walked out the front door. I mean, I opened the door, I opened the screen door, he walked out. He walked down the front steps to the sidewalk, walked into the street, and started going right down the street. And uh, I expected some grandiose exit. I expected a, a fadeaway or a light flash or something, and I didn't get any of that. All I got when I went to open the door to to kind of think, like, should I go out there and see what's where he's going? All I got was, it's late. It's time to go to bed. Get to bed. And I just shut the door, locked it, and went to bed. The interesting thing about that is I opened the front door with the alarm on and the alarm didn't go off. So anyway, make of any of that, what you will. And you have that sense, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Jeff's got a boyfriend. <laughs> I hope not. Um, <laughs> uh, everything's going to well, change one- for you about this, Jeffrey. <laughs> <laughs> the hell it is. Uh, well, you know, I mean, the other thing I do want to say, because this is, this is okay, um, the only time that I saw his eyes, I saw his eyes twice. When he, when he left, let's focus on that one. When he left, I saw his eyes. He more or less you know, kind of did a you know, pull-up with the finger of, uh, to look me in the eye. And the only way I can describe it is that, and I've, I've tried to think a lot, that I've been drawing my behind off the past week trying to get a visual of this so I can do it, but I, I can't seem to get it right. His his eyes appeared like a baby's eyes. They appeared to have no age whatsoever that didn't really coincide with the mature jawline and mouth and all of that, and the nose. That didn't coincide with the youth that shone from the eyes. The eyes had no wrinkles around them. They were, and I told Lisa the other night, the best way to describe it is, you know, you can look, I can look at Jeremy right now through the webcam and I can see his eyes, but it's not like I can tell how shiny his eyes are. With this guy, you can look at him across a room and his eyes just look like a sheet of glass. They were just gleamingly shiny. I, I couldn't, I, honestly, I couldn't tell you what color his eyes were or if his, you know, his pupils looked like ours. I was more obsessed with the 
the the texture, the 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 gloss of this of these eyes. They just seemed to have. They seemed old and wise at the same time that they seemed like they were brand spanking new. Like like my eyes, I just picked these up. You know that kind of showroom quality, waxy gloss, like high high gloss. Tell me more so, about my eyes. So there you are. So, are you allowed to say why, how you got uh, the go-ahead to say that much about this? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. I'll uh, tell you later, but um, you know, you know, it, it's. Um, I mean, I, I'm not going to. Well, <laughs> I mean, I'll severe, I'll be severely beaten. Uh, <laughs> and I, and again, I don't think that this is is. Um, I mean, Jeremy knows the whole of it. I. I I explained the whole of it to him, and uh, and then he, of course, went on to betray my confidence and related it to two others. That's great, <laughs> um, but in who, a good way. <laughs> who had an interesting reaction to it? But and I again, I'm not saying this in the sense that I'm trying to be secretive or anything like that. There, there was uh, a repercussion for me saying anything about it, and. Let me make it really clear that, again, and I know this sounds selfish, and I do not mean to come across this way about this, but if I have the opportunity to take this in some new direction, for me, I'm not about to ruin it by blathering on on the Internet about it. I want to see where it goes. If it doesn't go anywhere productive, then the hell with it. But I was essentially told, I I can say this, I was essentially told I was dense. (laughs) That I needed far more of the fear to be uh, shaken awake than most people do, and uh, and and that I had reached my limit with that, uh, and apparently that was recognized from somewhere else. I don't know where, I don't know how, and I believe me, I this type of person, this type of manifestation of whatever this is, the other, I've never seen anything quite like it. But I can say that all those years that I kind of scoffed about people having positive experiences with this. I can't say this was wholly positive, but by and large, I was okay with this. And that's a huge deal to me. So I'm not going to screw it up by angering it at me. That's kind of like where I draw the line with it. So let's see where it goes. Let's see how this thing progresses and go from there. You know, the the weekend was completely uneventful. I was away from, from home. I went to the beach and, it was uneventful, so I got nothing new to report in that sense. But I will be told what is over the line. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that's good. That, that's fine. Uh, well, I'll just um, – I guess I'll, I'll tell you my uh, – the, the two people I told Jeff's story to when I betrayed his trust. <laughs> uh, and I'd love to say I'll never do that again, but, uh, you know, I need people to talk to too. <laughs> I know. I know. I, I'm not pissed. I mean, I, no, no, I'm I not. Know. Seriously. I know. Yeah. So, person number one, and, and when I do betray your trust, as I've told you, I don't. Uh, it's not willy nilly. It's 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 always with a plan. It's always a purpose. And with person number one, who's a mutual friend of ours, um, or more of an acquaintance for you, friend of mine, um, it's someone who I thought would really appreciate the story and really needed to hear it at this point in her life. So I told her, and and actually, sort of the opposite. Reaction happened. She she broke down crying and just completely lost it and started babbling and uh, talking about um, like her dead husband and and all this stuff. And I was like, whoa, 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 where is this coming from? And you know, ultimately said, you know, I'll, I'll I gotta go. I'll call you later tonight. And then 
I hadn't, I didn't hear from her, uh, until I finally called her, um, well, I guess it was the end of last week. Um, and she was still completely out of it, completely upset and said she didn't want to call me until she had a handle on what the hell she was feeling. Apparently it had really, really affected her, uh, Mm -hmm. and made her reevaluate everything. Um, and the other person I told was, um, my mother, which was the weekend before last weekend, um, because she was here. And so we were out to dinner and I, I had nothing to talk about. <laughs> so <laughs> when in doubt. Let's talk about my weird friend, Jeff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, and she's also friendly with, um, the anonymous friend who freaked out and I had told her that bit too. So I, I told her the whole thing and then, and my mom starts crying. And she says, where do you, th- something like, where do you think your grandfather is right now? Her father, who had died uh, last November. And I just said to her, I'm like, are you kidding me? Is this really happening? Are you, are you about to have the same breakdown too? And she just sort of like laughed and said, at first she was like, no, no, you know, I'm not. But she was crying, you know, and asked that question. And then, of course, we start talking about, you know, life after death and that sort of stuff. Uh, but then after that conversation, she said, you know, it is kind of weird that, that we both had that same reaction to it, that it provoked a similar reaction when it's not when your story isn't, you know, a life isn't after death story. It's no, not a near no. death experience or anything like that. No. So an interesting uh, thing. And then I immediately, of course, thought, well, gee, you know, part of the reason Jeff probably can't talk about this is that it might provoke that sort of reaction in people. Or I was also worried about, you know, the other thing of like if it's this visceral and powerful in telling this story that maybe it sets you up as some sort of almost cult leader or something, or the, the object to which one believes or doesn't believe, which is not helpful and not the point. So yeah, I, I don't know. I, I thought all of that was interesting. And ultimately, you know, our mutual friend is sort of back on track, um, but has reevaluated everything. And, and it sounded like there were some jealousy issues and I pointed that out uh, to her and she scoffed and when i finally did talk to her about it when i called her up that i didn't realize apparently she was really upset with me for having even insinuated jealousy because what are we in fifth grade here you know what is this kindergarten that sort of thing but then said as she was like sort of out in the woods just sort of yelling to herself or to whoever would listen one of the things she was yelling about was why did the why did this happen to you and not her why didn't or why didn't they mention her after all the work that she has done, why didn't she get a nod in your experience? <laughs> and then, of course, there you go. There's your jealousy. So, yeah, I guess. And, and to which, she not that I can't, not, not that I can't understand, not that I can't understand that either. I mean, I, I, well, I do, under, I do understand that to a point, really. Yeah, you know, and my, I guess my answer to that would have been, well, whatever this is, uh, if it truly is concerned with with us. In dealing with us on a level that we need to hear it, whatever it is, then it's going to dish that out appropriately individually. You're going to hear what you hear, how you're supposed to hear it, uh, that it's going to affect you a certain way. I'm going to get it a different way. She's going to get it a different way on down Taylor the line. Made. Yeah, it's tailor-made. Tailor-made. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, she said, you know, the thing she comes to is that it did speak to her uh, through you, the, you know, like it was meant to be that I would tell her of all people this story. And so the energy of it, the the essence of it is what's important. And that is what she heard. And so it did get to her, whether physically somebody spoke to her or not. And right. So, you know, great. <laughs> 
Whatever keeps you sane. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I guess I should also mention that the the notion of, I mean, don't get me wrong, it's weird to see some guy in a sheet in your house and you don't know who it is and, you know, he's able to change your, <laughs> your, your, your fear compass at the wave of a hand. I mean, don't get me wrong, that's weird. That's some weird stuff, but... Uh, you know, I've talked a lot about the feeling of the high strangeness or that hyper-reality being a pretty good chunk of what the fear is for me in this, that feeling of loss of control, that all of that. That wasn't particularly present in this. The only thing I can tell you, as much as was mentioned today on the show with the shadow people and Jason saying that one woman basically described these things as having like a, a fine grain, like uh, like fine television static. That is sort of the garments, the the garment that he was wearing did seem to have that sort of quality to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, whatever that may mean, I'm just mentioning it for you know the sake of that. That, that that's what I noticed uh, when I looked at his knee touching my knee. I noticed that my leg didn't have the same kind of quality that. That he did, but I would say as an overall picture, I don't think anyone would have really noticed unless you saw your skin next to his skin or your knee next to his knee. I don't think you would have really noticed it that much unless you make that comparative look at it. Mm-hmm. Um, and because I'm because of what I do for a living, I, I'm just I'm visually, I guess the the acuity is just I immediately noticed that, that it seemed to have a different quality about it. Mm-hmm. But he wasn't see through or anything like that. He looked completely normal, aside from. Having really shiny eyes. <laughs> I, I will also say that I th- um, it's possible that I was warned off of this too. And when we originally did this um, mm-hmm. as an after chat for another show, I, Jeff had said, "Well, why didn't you tell that story?" And I didn't want to tell it because I didn't want to sound like, "Oh, me too." You know, I'm, I had an experience too. You know, I don't want to be that yeah. guy. But actually, uh, as I remember it, I told you uh, what happened to me, and then you said, "Well." Guess what? You know, I had a visit last night or whatever. So, so I think my story came first, if I'm not mistaken. Anyway, I don't, I don't even remember. Yeah, but or, so whatever. I'll just say it, and I don't. I'll just preface it by saying I don't know that this is related. I just know that it happens to be on the same night that Jeff was first warned uh, that I had just a uh, completely screwed up night of. Um, I don't even remember all of what it was. I'll, I'll just tell you that the, the main thing I remember was hearing. This loud buzzing noise that sounded like um, it sounded like a fly. It had that sort of higher tenor to it than a bee, and it was in my left ear. And my left ear was on my pillow, so I, I just remember like sort of waking up and thinking, um, you know, God, that's loud. And feeling like I had a fly in my ear, but I'm like, well, it's impossible to have a fly, you know, in my ear because my ear's in the pillow. And then as I'm like realizing all of this, all of a sudden, like. You know, I, I, I'm thinking, oh, God, they're here. This is going to be an abduction, and I don't want this. <laughs> I don't want this. So I just sort of, like, jumped up. I was like, nope, nope, this isn't going to happen. Uh, for whatever reason, I just sort of, like, freaked out and, like, made that association. Um, I will say that the, the buzzing came in sort of waves in the way that Jeff and I have finally found an agreeance on this, that, like, when, um, when w- whenever I'm going to have a nightmare, uh, there will be... Uh, this sort of throbbing, swooshing sound that you hear and you feel. I mean, it feels almost like blood, like in your ears or in your head or something, swooshing around in it. It's like swoosh, swoosh, swoosh. Uh, so it was, it was that, but but with the buzzing noise on the swoosh instead of the swoosh. 
Um, and that I, for whatever reason, associated with abductions. And I've never associated a buzzing sound with abductions, I didn't think. I've always said that I've never heard a buzzing sound with it. Um, but as I was rereading something that, uh, a book really that I'd written when I was in high school, in the book I explained the abduction scenario where something walks into my bedroom and starts babbling at me. And it's all, uh, prefaced by hearing this buzzing sound. So I can only assume that I did hear that. And, you know, back then at least, and I just had forgotten about it. Uh, but there it is on the page for me to read. <laughs> so it's like, wow, okay. Uh, so it's not far-fetched to, for me to now at this point in my life make that association and be like, okay, buzzing sound in my left ear. The abduction is about to happen. Got to get out of this somehow. Um, and See, I, think was- that's, I think that's interesting for people to hear on this show because I don't know about our audience, but for me, I didn't think you had much fear of this anymore. But you actually do still have oh, fear yeah. issues with this. No, I've always said, like, when it happens, it's completely, it's absolutely terrifying. It's only sort of after the fact that I can, like, look at it and, and try to make uh-huh. sense of it. But yeah. when it's happening, it's like instantaneous animal terror, you know? Right. Um, this was not instantaneous animal terror because there was nothing there. It wasn't like I didn't see anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, no, I'm a big old chicken. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I I don't think as a listener, I don't think a lot of people realize that. I think they they usually think of me as being the one who's petrified of of well, the you're experience. You're the one who has like stuff happen to you like every day. I'm the guy who like has similar <laughs> things that I remember. You know, well, and it's not the a, rest of the stuff like it's weird. It's you know, if I were in a normal state of consciousness, like if I just saw like right now, if I like look out the window and saw like a giant spaceship that was clearly like a ship of some sort, wouldn't I wouldn't be scared. I don't think I would be if if some being just walked into the room right now. I don't think I would. I think I would be normal, scared, you know, jolted fright of having someone walk into your room. But I don't know. This gets into I think it is an altered state of consciousness or something. Something where mm-hmm. um, you know when it happens at night in bed or whatever, something about that, something about that situation uh, provokes this this awful terror. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, or maybe I'm just maybe I'm just lying to myself, and I just think that, you know, if they just walked into the room, that it would be a surface level event, that just like anything else. But maybe it wouldn't. You know, maybe I would freak out and piss myself and jump out the window. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I, I I have to say, you know, waking up. I mean, first of all, waking up, it, it, it happening in a waking state wasn't uh, wasn't great. Having him just be there in the doorway. But there was something about it that woke me up, and I, I went from absolute, you know, dead sleep to wide awake and instantaneously, which for me is a feat in and of itself in that direction. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, the only thing I can say is, you know, he put up his hand, and it was just like I, there was a familiarity about it. I don't know what that familiarity was. I can't articulate that. I, I don't know. And, I mean, let, let me make the other thing clear is that's a part of the things that I'm not talking about. I couldn't articulate anyway. <laughs> it would be senseless for me to try to explain it because it would just come off as less than what it was. So I, I wouldn't know how to articulate that anyway, but you had mentioned somebody that night on the fire escape too. Well, that's the part I'm trying to remember. There was another, I mean, it wasn't just that one event. It was like then, uh, yeah, I guess I was having a dream 
And it was, you know, when you have a dream and you incorporate things that are happening in real life around you into the dream and you know that because you mm-hmm. wake up and they're happening around you and you're like, oh, I get it. Right. Um, well, it was like that sort of thing. I didn't see anyone in the fire escape, but it was a dream where uh, someone outside the window was out talking to me or looking in. I don't remember what it was exactly, but I just remember jo- it jolting me out of it and being like, oh, my God, no, there's somebody on the fire escape. There's someone. There was someone right. out there babbling at me or something. I have my window open and the, the screen down. I don't remember. I don't remember exactly what it was. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it was just, I just remember, you know, telling you about it and be like, you know, dude, I just had this, it was like this thing that I associate with abductions, this thing that was like something on my fire escape. And then just a whole night of nightmares that just were like, wouldn't end. And I just couldn't, couldn't sleep. It didn't matter if I got up and went to the bathroom or whatever. It was like, right. and it was all auditory hallucinations or whatever. Mm-hmm. auditory stuff. None of it was visual. It was all auditory. Yeah. Uh, so I found that interesting because I've never had that before, you know, where just some, somewhat tormented about it, you know, something. Yeah. I, and the thing about the fly noise or whatever, I mean, having it be just in your left ear, that's disconcerting to me. Cause that's like real. And that's, and I remember having, um, what I would consider an abduction experience, uh, in high school, my friend Griffin slept over. He was on a beanbag in my room and I was on my bed and, um, I found myself awake in the middle of the night, my head where my feet should be. Um, which anytime I'd ever done that, I've always brought my pillow with me, like to turn around in bed for whatever reason to try a new position to get comfortable. Uh, And I was always aware of it, but this was not that this was, I just found myself awake with my head where my feet should be. Uh, And then I, as I turned myself around in my, um, well, I don't remember which ear, but in one ear, I heard sort of a radio voice babbling at me and it sounded tinny. It sounded like, and I started slamming at my radio, my alarm clock radio going, just shut up, shut up. Uh, And it didn't shut up. And that's when I realized, Oh, it's just in my one ear. It's not even in both ears. It's not even out there. Yeah. And then I asked Griffin the next day, I'm like, Griffin, you remember anything? You know, because we had talked about my other, you know, the thing walking into my room and all that stuff. So he was somebody who knew about this stuff. Right. Like, Do you remember any sort of abduction experience or anything? And he said, no, I just remember you uh, yelling in your sleep. And I'm like, no, I wasn't yelling in my sleep. There was something in right. my ear. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I, I do have to say, I mean, when you were – it, it kind of bothered me when you were saying about the, the me too, me too thing that you didn't want people thinking that that's what this was about. Let me tell you what. And I said this to you on the phone that back in the day, my old research partner who I can't get a hold of for some reason, I've written him a mutual acquaintance of ours to try and get a hold of him. I would like to get him on the show to talk, but I'm not sure that he's comfortable doing that. So um, he and I would have that kind of, overbleed with experience and we would frequently have that where he would say how how was your night i would say it was garbage <laughs> you know listen to this and now it was you know it was something else and and he would say well you know join the club this is this is what and it wasn't even remotely the same experience but it was still something there was something that was going and i feel very much uh as i said on a previous show which i you know i haven't said this one there's very much this feeling of sliding back into that groove. Like I feel like I'm on that groove more so than I have been in the sense that <clears throat> I've kept this very much at arm's length. And now I feel like I've kind of slipped over that edge a little bit and have fallen into that groove of where experience, where that stream is. 
whatever that means. I just, I, there's a different feeling about the way things are. And I should note that I've had interactions with this guy, although not nearly as long, but in complete waking hours and, and realized that the, this, the guy in the sheet, not your partner. Right. The sheet guy. Yeah. That. And, uh, I mean, it's still okay. It's not, you know, I, I think the being told to shut up was inherently scary to me and, and really not so much scary. It's just completely disorienting. But, uh, I'll tell you this now on the air, so we might as well just talk about this now, because otherwise we'll just be talking about it when we get off, so we might as well just say it now. Uh, I've seen this guy before. (laughs) Is this something that we're going to leave in the show? Yeah, yeah. It's fine. When I was a kid, I used to walk home with a guy that lived, uh, I don't know, on the way to elementary school. I used to walk to elementary school, sixth grade, fifth grade, and um, one of the little funny things that he used to do was he used to put people's mailbox flags up to make the postman stop to pull the mail out. There would, wouldn't be anything in there. to. It was just like childhood prank type stuff. And one day I'm walking home alone. I had stayed after school to work on an art project that I wanted to finish up for my parents for Christmas. And uh, so I figured this must have been October, November, because they had to send whatever we were working on away and then come back to the school and then we'd take it home. And I was walking home and I just arbitrarily flipped somebody's mailbox up. And... I don't know, I walked, uh, let's see, I would have been going down a little hill and then turning right and, and walking a, a, a good two suburban block span before I make it a left to go to my place. And as I turned that corner, I saw someone standing by the trees, and he was wearing a single piece of material over top of himself, arms crossed like he was a bit perturbed, and I could not see anything but the lower half of his face. I can't say, yes, it was the same face. I can't say that because I really, back then, I just, I don't have a clarity of memory to be able to say, yes, it was that same person. But the garment, exactly the same. And he started following me. (laughs) And I didn't know if this was a Halloween prank. I didn't know if this was somebody in a costume. But I know that every time I turned around, there was no one on the street. There were no cars going by. There was no one anywhere. But there was this guy following me home. And no matter how hard as a little kid that I ran, I could not get away from this guy. And uh, it wasn't until I literally crested the corner to mom and dad's house that I turned around and he was gone. So make of that what you will. I feel like this is like this person has been around before. I don't think this is new. Maybe that's the sense of familiarity. Maybe that's it. I don't know. So there's that. And and since the the sit-down, which was about a half an hour in, in, in duration, there hasn't been anything that long again, but there have been other statements and other, you know, uh, I have seen him again. But it's been fairly quick, I would say. And that's it. Zen Master uh, Jeff in the house. Right. All right, yeah, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be a Jedi. <laughs> I'll come back for you, Mom. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> <Andrew>! Right, <laughs> Uncle Owen. And barbecue and Uncle Owen. Uh, <laughs> so uh, that's it. I mean, really, I just uh, that's that's about. Uh, and I I'll just throw one me. more thing out there, just really quickly. That thing I said about third person, second person, first person. Uh, I'm going to write, like I said, I, I'm thinking I'm going to write it up for UFO Magazine. 
if anyone wants to do anything with it now, go go ahead. I could, because honestly, even as I said it, and even as I keep thinking about it, I'm like, it just doesn't matter. It just, this whole <laughs> ufology thing is so not going to be important soon. And I don't, you know, take that with the amount of salt it deserves because I'm not going to qualify that. <laughs> I'm just going to say it. I don't think any of this is urgent anymore. Well, I don't think it's the. I don't think. I don't think it should be the single focus. And I think we've been saying that for well, a while. Well, I, I just feel personally like there's no. I mean, unrelated to your guy, maybe I guess. Um, I, I feel like um, as a field of study or whatever, it's not. It's not important to map it out so much in a concrete way that makes it. Um, well, it's sort of what I've been doing. Like I've, I've been doing this um, culture contact mini series where I'm, I'm basically taking my sort of big spiritual experience or whatever and saying um, the integral, like if you were going to live like the sort of ideal lifestyle, it would probably be something along Ken Wilber's integral philosophy of like understanding all the states and stages. But if the overall thing of the states and stages of consciousness is uh, an illusion (laughs) and the thing that ultimately you have to transcend to then be able to go into and, and understand them, then, then, why map it out? And and I, I kind of feel that way with ufology. I mean, ultimately, if if you're not going to really get it through studying its components and through the history of UFO sightings and stuff like that, then, you know, it's just, it just becomes masturbatory at some point, you know. I, th- I think you're, you're just um, – I mean, not that you haven't already. I think you'd already moved on from the nuts and bolts, um, you know, technicalities of it all. Yeah, so I mean, why, do you, I, why do I feel like giving the nuts and why do I feel like making more nuts and bolts of the whole other perspective of this? I mean, why why even well, give well, another perspective I, to it? Well, yeah, I mean, and you're getting that whole scenario of that this is a uh, this is this whole UFO, UFO thing is so two minutes ago, you know? <laughs> yes, yes, that's it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's the best way I know to put it. You know, it, it is. It's it's. Um, it's it's not greater than the sum of its whole parts, and that's the point. Is that so many people focus on one aspect of it or another, and it's really and for me, and I've said this for years now, and and the more I the more I say it, the more that I've seen since that time. I now I realize that it's it's even more than what I thought it meant when I say that this is just a symptom of something much larger. That all of these, that, that ghosts and UFOs and all that, they're all sued so two minutes ago. It's the bigger thing that they are a symptom therein, right. symptom therein of, that we really is, is what we should really be paying attention to. And I think, much like Colin Andrews said at the X conference, is that this all has more to do with human consciousness and perception and, and, and the, the bigger picture around us than lights in a crop circle making a yeah. I mean, making a design. Uh, That's at some incidental. Point, at a certain point you either it's one of those things where you either get it or you don't. And if you don't, then no amount of studying it is going to give it to you. And if you do, um, then you're not talking about it. Because <laughs> you're living well, it. So there's like no George- point so who's your audience at that point? To just give another thing to for people to, you know, build up mythologies around and, and do wrong things with? Right. Right. It's well to turn into another ideology, which is, you know, just people like to one one thing I've kind of noticed about this stuff over the years is that people seem to trade 
one ideology, ideology for another. Like, like, let's give up the whole Christian aspect. Let's now take, let's grab hold of this UFO thing. Well, it's kind of like what I <laughs> feel know? like, uh, hey, watch me be the the brilliant podcaster and, and come full circle here. But that's kind of how I felt as soon as you said uh, shadow people are um, sort of the new thing for the last few years you've been hearing about shadow people. And I feel like that maybe that's what that is. You know, maybe it's not because there's more shadow people. It's just a semi-new spin on a topic that people can latch onto and explore wrongly, you know, in the same way that reptilians were, in the same way that crop circles were forever and ever. Oh, yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah. It's just well, a new I, thing to be able to verbalize and say, yeah, I'm having that experience. It's like, well, mm. <laughs> I, I never used to say to you, I used, you always used to say you felt like something big was coming. And, and other people throughout the years, I've never had that notion really. I've, I've had it to a certain point that something was going to happen. I was telling my mom this this weekend. I've always had this feeling like something's going to happen, but I didn't, I didn't recognize it as this big thing like if like i like uh, i think somebody on our message board said something like they thought 9-11 was it but that's not it either you know that wasn't the big thing there's something bigger like that and i think that whatever that is i i, I definitely feel it more now than i have hmm. and i think that as we get closer to whenever that time is wherever that exists for us I think that these wrinkles like shadow people and crop circles and flying saucers and alien abduction and all of these things, ghosts, are all going to start. There's going to be new wrinkles of that sort as we get closer to this, you know, that this stuff is going to just continually until it reaches this this crescendo of some sort. And I don't know when that is. I don't know when or what that's going to be. I have no idea. Hmm. Uh, you know, and, and and let's make it really clear right off the bat that Sheet Man didn't tell me anything, any big goddamn secret. I don't have any answers. I still don't have any answers. I'm still just as in the dark about stuff uh, as everybody else. But I think, and again, it's it's much like the last uh, stint, uh, you know, for ten or twelve years in this thing. I walked away. I'm, I'm I'm kind of learning more about myself than I am it. Right. Uh, which in the end may be the whole point. I don't know. Although so, I, I, did, uh, I did see across CNN the little scroll saying the Arctic uh, has had its warmest summer in 2,000 years, which I thought, huh, didn't I have a vision about <laughs> that ice sheet sliding over Canada and North America? Well, we'll be we'll be fine. Sure we will. Grab an extra blanket and put it on the bed tonight. Yeah, who doesn't love penguins? All right. Slide. Right. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, I think that's a show right there. Yeah. Good evening. Good evening and good night. Thank you again, Jason Offit. Yes, Jason, thank you very much. We will have uh, links to your uh, Amazon page on our and website on our uh, on our message board. And thanks to all the new people who have been signing up for our message board. We have yes. a ton of new people, and a lot of them, thankfully, are actually speaking on the message board. You're giving me the one-minute sign. I'm giving you the hold on a second, because... Uh we got a uh, donation to Paratopia. What? Yes, that's correct. We got another one that I want to publicly thank this man. The guy with the sheet? Uh, uh, no, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry not. Uh, <laughs> go ahead and keep poking fun at it. Let's see what happens. <laughs> Toilet paper man, that guy? <laughs> oh, there it is. See? I mean, this is not going to bode well for you. Uh, no. Um, 
Anyway, before we go, Jeremy, I want to say a special thank you to Carl. Carl has paid our operating expenses for the month. So wow. thanks, Carl. We really appreciate it. And uh, That's hot, Carl. Yeah, that's hot, Carl. Thanks very much. We love you. And, I guess uh, you don't know what a hot Carl is, but okay. <laughs> no, I don't. I'm old, Jeremy. Never you mind. See, you're, Never you're mind. Carl, thank you is what I meant to say. Yes, thank you. Thank you, thank you. And if anybody else wants to make a donation and make life easier for us, God knows we could use it. <laughs> we're, uh, we're toilet paper man and alien approved. So, um, oh, Jesus, what? there it is. Uh, we got some great guests coming up, and we're not going to talk about any of them. We're just going to go, we got some really great guests coming up, and we do. Damn, have we landed some good ones. In fact, it was a deluge today of guests saying, I'll be on, I'll be on, I'll be on. So now it's all a matter of scheduling. But uh, stay tuned to the island of madness, and uh, we will have some good stuff for you. Really good. Oh, wait, before we sign off for the evening, one more small thing. Um, The Kogi aren't coming, but that's a long story. Oh, no, are you serious? (laughs) (laughs) They're not coming. Uh, The long story short is... Uh, they got it. They, they had. They, they ended up having sort of a uh, an indigenous peoples summit, for lack of a better term, okay. at their mountain uh, involving the Lakota and others. And um, they had. To, they, they decided to do some things on the mountain, perhaps first. I mean, maybe they'll end up coming here. But they had. There's some stuff that they had to do around the mountain, energy centers or what have you around the mountain. Um, so don't know. Um, that, that's that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Do you think this could possibly be a two-year commercial for coffee or not? <laughs> no. I'll, I'll tell you more about it off the air. It's just I don't, I don't want to say anything that, that might have to get redacted. Okay. Uh, this is really the episode of not telling anyone anything. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think I spilled quite a bit, actually. You did. You did. And I hope you don't um, get pummeled for it. Oh, no. I'll be fine. So, uh, so yeah. Okay. Toilet well, man got game. Oh, there it is. Sorry. It is. Sweet dreams, Paratopia. (laughs) Good night.